welcome to the Energy Era podcast. We're back. Hello. Better than ever. God damn. <laughs> Making him better. Face fat. I, I, I like, I, I'm a big fan of the seldom heard second stanza of the Eric Bischoff no music. No one ever hears it. Yeah. It's normally just, I'm back. Hello everyone, I'm Eric Bischoff. Yeah, you don't hear that. I'm the boss of you morons. It could be <laughs> It's a very much an always kicking asshole's ass kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> So we are back, back to our uh, regularly scheduled podcasting, uh, sorry for the interruption there. Everyone thought that we were gone forever. Yeah, I wouldn't use the term regularly scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not on our fans. But people did think that we were gone. Yeah, yeah, despite you having said about a million times, Cause I think we're at, not going. At the start I was like, I'll leave a few little clues. Mm. Like in the Q&A episode where we said, we'll do this after we finish We're definitely not going to wrap it up. But. Well, it could just be a case that our fans just simply do not trust us. Clearly not. <laughs> they're, yeah. not they're not on, on board and listening to what we say. Like, no, no, I don't listen to it. But we never did say that we were going to disappear forever. A lot of people took that at face value when we said it was the end of the Attitude Era. So therefore it had to be the end of the show. But no, we're back. And we're back with a big task on our hands today. A laid back big task. It's the end of an era. So we have to look back now on the Attitude Era in a whole and try and see if we can come to some sort of conclusion or any sort of final thoughts or summing up about it. So, hello once again, I'm Kevin. Joined as I am always in this uh, review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades and colleagues. First of all, bad news Bibolo, how are you doing? Hello there, Kevin. Looks like brother Cafe Nero has been flushed. <laughs> People want to know what we thought of the final deletion. That's that's something that people have been mad to know about because we were always making fun of the Hardys for being unintentionally yeah. shit and never <laughs> yeah. being intentionally shit. The one thing I'll say about that is I went on a three-hour car journey to, to Manchester from where I was in Lincolnshire, and the the, the thing had happened, you know, the the, the whole brother Nero thing, yeah. final deletion, and I only saw a clip, which was Matt Hardy turning around after Jeff fell in the lake, go, "Luke Lab, brother Nero, hair's been flushed." <laughs> And I swear to God, I have no radio in my car. That was all I thought about for three <laughs> fucking hours. <laughs> so, Brother Cafe Nero, how have you been? I've been well, thank you. Yeah, there's been a big hole in my life where the Attitude Era once was. But yeah. it's nice to be back in the same room as you guys for the first time in what feels like fucking forever. It's not been forever, but it does certainly feel that it's way. It's been a good gap, hasn't it? It's been a fair old gap. It's the lo- certainly the longest we've ever had since we've recorded. Yeah. I almost think that was by design because they did want us to step away and digest. You need to sort of take a step back for a minute and just sort of like, because there was so much shit at the start of the podcast that I'd long forgotten about. You have to go back and like remember all the old stuff. Yeah, if we if we'd done it like the week after, like with all the questions we're going to answer now, like the answer probably would have been WrestleMania 17. Yeah, the answers would have become questions the, themselves. Yeah, the, every like best pay per view WrestleMania 17, worst pay per view WrestleMania 17. It's the most. It's the most worst it's match. In your head. Gimmick battle royal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul Heyman was the best commentator of the attitude. <laughs> and uh, to my left, unquestionably the baddest man on the planet. Billy Keeble. Hello. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm, yeah. happy, I'm happy to be back. You're happy to be podcasting again? Yeah. What, what we've done is essentially we've gone into the temple from the start of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And we, we've, we, we've seen the pedestal and that's got time on it. Pretty glassy over time. And what we've done is we've sneaked on up to that pedestal and with our little podcast, which is similar to the same weight as the time, we've 
transferred them over. <laughs> the fuck are what? you talking about? This is this is great. I just went like, God, I miss recording this shit. <laughs> I don't fucking miss editing this shit. <laughs> this analogy is wasted. It, it, it doesn't quite work as well though, because that would also insinuate that this podcast is going to be five months long. It also insinuates that this podcast can be listened to by Harrison Ford, and I think he's got better things to be doing. He probably does. Yeah. <laughs> Blade Runner remake needs to get done, mate. Come on, hurry up for that. Aye. Some stats for you, gentlemen. You know, since we finished, because of the nature of my job where I was working was part of it, but also I was kind of consciously, I wasn't like tweeting as much, mm. I wasn't checking out like stats and religiously following stuff. I was not really giving it all my full attention. I did want just to sit back and kind of, it's done, it's there people can go enjoy it. Yeah. I've tried to promote when relevant, but I've not really been pushing the podcast as such. But some stats for you. 59 episodes in total. Fuck. I thought it was 60, but the Sick Kid Save Point thing doesn't count as an <laughs> It is only a four-minute goof. So 59 episodes, 36 mainline episodes, 23 bonus episodes. So you can stop fucking complaining that there was too many of them. <laughs> we did actually do more regular than bonus Total plays on SoundCloud, according to SoundCloud, 1.16 million. And that doesn't include the total downloads, Mm. which is 1.23 million. Jesus. Which is pretty fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's absolutely absurd. And I mean, I, I don't put too much stock in the old stats. I used to do quite a lot to see when episodes would have impact and like, mm. oh, should I wait until a Sunday or why, you know, which ones are kind of seem to have people coming back to them and stuff like that. That was, was interesting. But what really blew my mind, because I hadn't looked at the stats in ages, 2014 was slightly higher than 2015 because I thought that was maybe when we had really started to hit our stride. Yeah. And, but we actually have more listens and downloads in 2016 than either 2015 or 2014. Ah. Without releasing episodes. Yeah, we've done fuck all this yeah. year as well. I know that we released WrestleMania 17 around the time of my birthday, which was March 3rd. Cough, cough, just so if you want to know. Who would want to know that information? Good information. Good information. Yes. That'll survive the edit for definite. But that was something that was very shocking to me. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the guys who inside the rope said to me, said that what would be great about once we'd finished 17 is that it would be almost just like it's a thing on its own now. Mm. It's a 36-episode catalogue of reviewing it, honestly, start to finish with these three different viewpoints. Yeah. And I'm quite happy that it is kind of... I mean, I was always listening, listening back and going, oh, is it really... Has it aged really badly? Do we make a lot of references that are kind of not really going to, like, age the show well? I think we always mm. try to avoid making a lot of references to what was happening on For the most part, the show. yeah. It's always us talking about Roman Reigns being a moo-moo man. <laughs> <laughs> There's obviously a lot more to the man than that. <laughs> And obviously not knowing Donald Trump would be a presidential candidate. Yeah. But yeah, I always just thought that was very, very interesting. And I want to say at the start, if you're someone who's said, hey, check out the Adshare podcast. Thanks very much. Much yeah, appreciated. Because yeah. we sure as shit haven't been promoted this past yeah, year. Definitely <laughs> But not. you guys really have. And I'm really happy. Most listened to episode was WrestleMania 17. Good. Second most listened to episode, Royal Rumble 2000. Nice. Third most listened to episode, No Way Out 2001. See a bit of a theme here. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, Bash at the Beach 2000. <laughs> I wonder who was listening to that over and over and over again. Just Vince Russo over and over again while crying. <laughs> well, which is the bit where I pause where they say that I did good shit. Yeah, pause it there so I don't know that they praised me. <laughs> Uh, 
Right, we've got some things we want to talk about. We've got some questions from fans, and we've got some final thoughts to get to. But I want to start with each of you individually, mm-hmm. and just asking for your overall thoughts. Um, Adam, did you enjoy watching these shows? How did you find the caliber or the quality of these shows? Now, I will say this isn't just from like a wrestling to be brilliant wrestling as it normally is. I mean, there's sometimes we watch stuff that was so bad it was good kind yeah. of. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, how would you kind of? Put your enjoyment level of actually watching these shows overall very good like i i still am of the opinion this is probably the best period in all of wrestling and there's a reason why people always say that like it is excellent there's the whole like from about 2000 onwards is where i was really heavily into it as a kid so everything before that was mostly new and fresh mm. to me this time and some of that was pretty crap i think 98 wasn't a great year like i think no. the actual era started off kind of okay when you and say kind of okay do you mean in terms of match quality characters or? match quality the storylines weren't like interesting me too much you had far too much like repetitive nonsense of kane and the undertaker and austin and the man was great and all if you're watching raw i'm sure yeah but in terms of pay-per-views and the matches you get on there i don't think 98 was the best start yeah 99 was pretty struggling at points 99 as well. is kind of what you were talking about of it getting so bad that it was entertaining yeah like i think 98 was good but kind of a little boring at times whereas 99 was good when it was good and when it was bad it was hilarious because it was so mad it was so insane yeah Yeah, ridiculous and over the top i think you're right though 2000 2000 onwards is like the best two years in wrestling it's so good we have that really amazing hot streak where it was just amazing pay-per-view after amazing <laughs> the hot streak where I was like worried that the show was going to get crap because he would just say how great everything was marking out all the time <laughs> Billy how about you what are your like, kind of thoughts I mean you obviously went into this with not kind of having what Adam had in that you know, yeah. a bit of a childhood background so you were watching it and solely as a modern fan going back and watching it what were your thoughts in terms of your enjoyment of the shows the quality of the shows I'd, I'd say for the most part it was really good Yeah, uh, I enjoyed a great deal of it uh, like Adam said there were so well, the thing with the attitude era is when it's good it's good when it's bad it's really fucking bad yeah um, and we did have some moments which were unfortunately incredibly bad it did seem to kind of looking back at us it did seem to kind of go against that whole idea that Vince Russo idea of like when you're hot you nothing you do is wrong and yeah. when you're cold nothing you can do is right I definitely think that's not true like if you're hot and you're looking at a compilation of that hot period yeah obviously the greatest hits has got all the best tracks on it there's no stinkers there yeah. but you were definitely right but there was some clunkers along the way I think yeah it's going to be interesting to talk about this throughout this episode it's um, one of the main reasons why we started this podcast was because the Attitude Era Best Of DVD came out and it more or less made out to be the Attitude Era was Austin in the beer truck yeah. for four years and DX in a tank and DX in a tank yeah. and over on WCW there were cruiserweights who were being held down boo <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that, I, that's a good thing and a bad thing yeah a good thing about it is that people who wouldn't have necessarily seen the Attitude Era, would have seen that and gone into it thinking, well, this stuff was in it, there's got to be stuff similar to it. And, but then it obviously goes the other way where people could go back and be incredibly disappointed. Mm, yeah. yeah. Disappointed by it. Uh, hope you like Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin shooting the beer out of the truck in 1999. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not happening. Well, that's that was you, basically. Were you, yeah. dis- were you disappointed? Yeah. Um, what Was it like... Was it as advertised, I guess, is what yeah. I want to ask you. Because like you obviously went into it, we'd played Attitude Era mode, you'd seen some of the DVD. 
Was it close to what WWE said it was, or do you think it was a bit different than that? No, it was so much more than that. There's so, there's, there was so much more um, colour and character to it. Much more of an than, ensemble cast than they'd let you believe, I think. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't just two players, two or three players, you know. It wasn't DX yeah. and The Rock and Austin. It wasn't Triple H the architect of the Attitude yeah. Era? You know? <laughs> it's, 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 it's the European belt, it's the Intercontinental belt, it's everything that comes together. Mm. It's Blue Meanie calling out Ryan Shamrock and working out Raw, like, yeah. you know? It's, it's that kind of a thing. Probably the most obvious question might be quite predictable answer. Favorite show that we reviewed? Not favorite one to record, but just as in to watch yeah. this and to gush and to. Yeah. What I mean, was your highest quality it's, it's show? Obviously, WrestleMania 17. If I was to say, could we all assume? Because I would say WrestleMania 17. Yeah. So would you as well, Billy? Well, I said at the end of the 17 episode that it wasn't my favorite pay per view yeah, of, of right. the Attitude Era. Mm. And I actually went back and I watched 17. And I re-listened to the episode, and I do think that I was probably too harsh on it. So I probably would change my mind of mm. what I what I said in the last episode. So I do think that seventeen is up there, but it was also a, a draw for me. Yeah, at the top there was that and Royal Rumble two thousand one. So yeah, what was your other? What yeah, you my, my second pick, and this is just because I remember being so amazed by it. Was do you remember Fully Loaded two thousand? Oh Jesus! Is, yeah, with that fucking six man tag with TNA. Yeah, and, and there was Rock and Benoit. Rock and Benoit, Angle versus the Undertaker. Oh. You had Triple H and Jericho in a last man standing match. Fucking like, goals! Yeah, just in terms of like watching something that you think like oh let's watch another B pay-per-view for the podcast and you put it on and it's like just this amazing wrestling show like and like no one ever really talks about it it's never up there with like you know the best shows ever it's kind of weird because it's like I think a part of that is is that we're now kind of drilled in to think that if it's going to be a big awesome show it has to be one of the big, the big four. four yeah you're kind of almost led to expect well it's not a big four so it's not going to be one don't of the big shows much. and yeah. that's WWE's they're doing with that because yeah. they put so much more focus on the big four than anything else and even still you see the big four even the big three Survivor Series yeah. don't get any fucking love from them so yeah I think it was weird because you go in you don't expect it's like well it's not a Wrestlemania it's not a SummerSlam it's mm. not so it ha- can't be the best it's all these random matchups that you've never seen before Rock versus Benoit it was the first time it's, Angle yeah. and Undertaker had faced it's, off it's a but... real universe mode simulation Totally. Yeah. And yeah. Mick Foley is the general manager. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's really it's a really good show. Yeah. So you would say then Foley Two Thousand. I wanted to give a little bit of love. I, mean, I would agree with all the ones you said. Uh, Royal Rumble Two Thousand. I mm. think in terms of just hitting that stride of that feel, I can't describe what it is. But the, I noticed that Royal Rumble Two Thousand. There should have been no reason why that episode had the most listens because before Seventeen, it was our top episode for a long time. I wonder if a part of it was the fact that the Channel 4 nostalgia kicked in and that's when it really kind of started to kind of those juices of childhood were flowing or whatever. But I think that's a great fucking show. You've got that hot Madison Square Garden crowd. Mm. You've got Cactus Jack in the main event. Taz. You've got the Dudleys and the Hardys and the tables match. You've got a really fucking amazing show Mm. that really sums up the, the real what was great about the Attitude Era. But again, not one which... I think people re- remember as being an all-time classic show. I remember, mm. like, I forget, it wasn't Wrestling With Regret, it was some guy who interviewed me, and he was like, what would you say are some of the best shows? I was like, oh, obviously WrestleMania 17, I think World Rumble 2000 is one of the best shows ever. And they're like, oh, oh okay. And that was like, you know, but, <laughs> all right, like, you know. Yeah. But it, I can see why, he, I think people need to look back and kind of go, you know, the Edge wasn't just cool moments and cool guys. 
there are some shows which start to finish. The whole show. That's the thing about yeah. these pay-per-views in yeah. particular is it's so rare you get a show that's that good. Like, like I've, I would feel like any of the shows you mentioned, I'd feel comfortable showing, say, Joe from How to Wrestling mm. as a yeah. new fan to kind of go, hey, look, here's just a fun show really with a bit of everything, I yeah. think so. Other than that now, the uh, to put a bit more salt and pepper on it, because as we know, the NTR podcast was not known for us non-stop praise of how much we love wrestling. As a matter of fact, we were dogged non-stop for being too negative <laughs> at the start. Least favourite show? Fully Loaded 1998. We had, that's... Which yeah. was, a gr- we were speaking Fresno, about this earlier, yeah. we recorded it in like a recording studio thinking that would be a good idea, but it we was We had stressful. a technician with us. Yeah, and then it was the, the worst show ever you had on that one. DOA versus LOD 2000. Mark Henry versus Vader. Oh, jeez. Jackie versus Sable in a bikini contest. That was what they built it on. And the main event was Austin and Undertaker versus Kane and Mankind for the tag belts. Bullshit. Fucking awful. And it was in a small, it was only 6,000 people. Yeah, it was was a a crummy little arena. So yeah, fully loaded 98. Jeez, that was a rough one. What about you, Billy? Uh, My... That was it. Was another draw for me. It was fully loaded, um, along with WrestleMania 15. Ooh, oh yeah, <laughs> bad <laughs> fucking stinker. I listened to that episode recently, and we were like so apologetic because we're like, "I'm oh, sorry." <laughs> Why is it? Because that was the peak of the Attitude Era in terms yeah. of like yeah. money and popularity. But fuck me, they couldn't make a WrestleMania happen. No. I mean, I'd say WrestleMania 14, 2000 are also similarly kind of shitty. But not as shit as 15. 15 is just really rubbish. Yeah, and all the stuff around 15, like St. Valentine's Day Massacre and the backlash after it, it was all really good. Yeah. Like, it was a great time in wrestling. It feels like WrestleMania was this like, annoying roadblock in the way to telling like, all the cool <laughs> stories yeah. I've been through so I wanted to yeah. tell. Like, I would think, in terms of like bad shows, I'm going to include it because it was one that we obviously all watched together. We went through it as a pay-per-view. Bash of the Beach 2000, I do Ooh. think, is legitimately... Mm one of the worst shows ever I'm if I'm saying that even still having watched Heroes of Wrestling with Adam yeah. yeah you know I think Bash of the Beach 2000 is just objectively the most infuriating miserable fucking shite like some people are going to go hey we should do loads more 2000 of WCW and I don't know if I want to nah if I'm honest I'd be up for doing something like um, Sin 2001 that last pay-per-view I think that would be you know, the final nail in the coffin that's yeah. fun to do. <laughs> Had you any favourite standout matches from the Attitude Era? Now, keep in mind, this is obviously a very difficult thing to narrow down. There are so many amazing matches, mm. but if I was going to say, give you two apiece to say your two favourite matches, what would you think those might be? Okay, well, um, like, you know, so when you're talking about best matches in the Attitude Era, you're going to be talking about really obvious ones. Mm. TLC, like, Rock Austin. Rock and Austin. Uh, I've, okay, if we're going to go with two spots, I'll give the first one to Triple H and Cactus Jack at Rumble 2000. Oh, the good street show. fight. Mm. Unbelievable mm. match. Even if it is like an obvious answer and it's like got a lot of high praise anyway, it deserves it, like rightfully so. I'll use the other one to go for something that I think is really out there. But was genuinely like out of all the things we recorded on the podcast, this match was one of those that really shone and like highlighted itself to me. Was Dean Malenko versus Scotty Too High? Yeah, like, like genuinely, yeah, yeah, yeah. like what a ridiculous surprise of a match. Where did those two come from with that amazing when ass that, match? Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like jaw dropped, completely stunned because it wasn't just like 
this is a surprisingly good match. It was like, this is a fucking amazing match. I think most of us when we were watching time didn't realise how good Dean Malenko was. Absolutely not. Or how good Scotty for that matter. No. Like, and that came out of the blue. So, yeah, just for that reason alone. And Billy, favourite matches? Uh, so, my two favourite matches. The first is Triple H versus Cactus Jack at No Way Out 2000. Ooh. And like Never I said in the episode, I did I did think that that was better than the street fight, in mm-hmm. my opinion. What was it about that, that you kind of preferred? I liked that it was a sort of, a, kind of a natural sequel to King of the Ring 98. Mm. And it was playing off a lot of that stuff. Uh, I thought it told a great story. It's slightly tainted in the fact that it didn't actually retire Mick Foley. Mm. Yeah. But um, I absolutely fucking loved that match. Mm, um, my right. other one is 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 another one which is somewhat out there. Is um, Triple H again mm. uh, versus The Rock in that Iron Man match at Very, Judgment yes. Day 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great match. Such a match that is so unique, so unlike majority of the main events from that time. I thought that match was great because everybody had like, Lawler was like, on commentary fucking talking about the yeah. hose and all it yeah, made it, it made everyone kind of go right we need to rethink this because the Attitude Era was never really known as being like the lengthy wrestling yeah. time and you're going back to something which was more from like a new generation or from the 80s of like hey let's do a big ass match oh, I thought that was fucking brilliant that one and was, that, was also the pe- that was also the match where The Undertaker came Biker out Biker Taker yeah. came out that's yeah. right the, the, that's the, right the big fuck's sake for me but still my one of my favourite matches of the, uh, the Attitude Era mm, I think good choice I would say my two favourites. I mean, uh, the obvious one is Rock and Austin, isn't mm-hmm. it? From 17. Yeah. I think I stand, I mean, it's been analysed to death, you know, and I don't think that takes away from the fact that it is. If you just want to talk about like a little, like an isolated story on its own, you can turn to someone and kind of go, that lad's been injured for ages. He really wants to be champion. That lad's the champion. He doesn't want to lose. I mean, it was so simple, it's wasn't it? Basic, but the best at the same time. Like it's like because you think so much about Austin and Rock and all the storylines in the Edge there was so much it was surrounded by such weird fucking shit all the time. Mm-hmm. And this was just basic. I want to beat you. I don't want you to beat me. I thought it was brilliant, yeah. majestic. I mean, I want to give special mentions. There's a one or two ones which I really just stuck with me. I mentioned Fully Loaded, the six-man tag, mm. TNA and Trish versus mm. Hardys and Lita. Yeah. I thought was fucking absolutely brilliant. So, so good. Another one which I really, really, really wa- I love, I watched again recently, Triple H and Jericho from that Last Man Standing match yes. that they had was really, truly special. That match made Jericho at that I point. I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Jericho and Benoit, so many of their matches oh, which they had. They had a match at Rumble 2001. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. So, I mean, I think best matches is a hard one. We're going to look at our match of the nights later on to kind of mm. see what the tally was. But I think the, the takeaway from this is is that I think for nearly almost all the shows of the Attitude Era, bar one or two, there was at least one match that was really like, fuck yeah, mm. really, really great. Because even in 98, you had the likes of Owen Hart putting on barn burners, yeah. you know? Right, your least favourite matches of the Attitude Era. This one, there's a fucking cornucopia of shit. I don't think you can take in any era in wrestling and see as many matches which looked from the offset to be set up purposely to be shit. Because mm. shit matches happen all the time. You know, who would have thought that, you know, Randy Orton versus Sheamus in the night of WrestleMania would have been so boring, you know? Yeah. But it happens sometimes, a bad match. But so many of these matches, when you're looking at them, like Patterson and Briscoe in a fucking, yeah. you know, dressing up in drag, there's no way that wouldn't have been the worst match ever. So yeah. any ones that stand out for you, Adam? Well, going outside of the obvious, because like, 
if we were looking at the obvious, it would be Patterson and Briscoe, and it would be the the kennel in a hell. Oh. Hell in a hell. <laughs> hell in, in the keller, don't you remember? <laughs> Outside of the big obvious ones, in terms of like ones that really bothered me, how bad they were, and how disappointed I was as well. I'd go with Shamrock and The Undertaker. Oh, yeah. God, that was so bad! Because on paper, that should have been a hell of a fight. Like, when we later had, I think it was Benoit and Taker or Angle and Taker, it was like, that's the match that that should have been. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was Angle and Taker right yeah. that after the leg. But the yeah. Shamrock one, fucking hell, that was like pulling teeth, that match. That it was, was so slow and the crowd were so quiet. Assumedly, the crowd were so quiet because they were passing around a giant petition to make sure that Ken Shamrock didn't have any more of a push after that. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly their eyes weren't on the match. Outside of that, I also... While we're on Taker, I'd go with Taker and Bossman. Uh, oh, Jesus in Christ! The, in the that Hell was, of Cell match. That was so bad. It's boring. Just a boring, boring match. I think, yeah, in the in, in the attitude, the, the biggest sin you could have, I mean, fucking up moves, you know, being sloppy, not engaged, it's just being boring, is the, I think, was the most cardinal sin. That's why that, like, a Hell in a Cell match with two great wrestlers turning out to be boring will always be worse than two old men in drag fighting each other. To yeah, like, yeah. Because that, like you say, it's almost designed to be bad. That's being played for laughs. Yeah. This, this is... Laughs, we say. Yeah. <laughs> Billy? My two least favourite matches were TNA versus Head Cheese. Oh! Versus oh Jesus! Bowser. You oh forgot about gosh. that one, didn't you? He's ripping off all these bandages off me. I thought those wounds were healed. Oh. Um, just for the fact, it was, it was just... Everything about the match was terrible. We also had... I can't remember if it was JR or Jerry's um, microphones breaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it Jerry's? And kept yeah, going, yeah. Am I on? Am I on? I believe we're on. Yeah. Uh, just awful. Awful all round. Not how that got to WrestleMania. Yeah. I think at the time we mystery. said it was the worst match in the podcast because it was four guys... Blackman, Snow, mm-hmm. Test, Albert, they all know fucking how to tie their shoes and like yeah. wrestle a match. What, uh, just nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, out of the four of those, the least experienced guy was technically, you know, uh, Albert. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he was he was always a solid guy. Yeah, he's still I, great. I don't know what happened in that match. And the fucking, let's cut the cheese. Oh, guy just the cheese with oh. Jesus. Rubbing his bum at uh, yeah. Trish. Poor Gross. Trish. Like. And then uh, my other match was Cat versus Terry in the stink face match. At SummerSlam 2000, oh, I dug, I dug deep for this. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, in terms of like bad matches, I, I want to give a special mention, obviously, to all the brawl for all matches, which were yeah. oh, undoubtedly a painstaking mm. affair. Apart but, from the final, yeah, no, the final was was a laugh, but I mean, the rest of it was just long. I mean, I had to watch the Raws and then I had to watch the fucking brawl for all sitting down, start to finish with mm. you guys. That thing, I'll never forget that. Like, until the day I die, I hear that music is what I'll hear before I have a stroke and die. Like, it's going to be fucking awful. I want to mention as well some of Sable's matches, because yeah. Sable could not wrestle a fucking lick. Sable and Tori at WrestleMania 15. Oh, that's one I forgot about. Where literally yeah. every, at least in the other ones he mentions, the lads did some fucking moves. Every <laughs> every time the two of those women put their hands on each other, they slipped and fell and just yeah. fucking, you know, absolutely, truly awful. I mean, Hell in the Kennel is... Is, is truly atrocious. Yeah. It is like, it's sad as well because it was kind of like a fun storyline that kind of ended up yeah. so underwhelmingly. And another one I want to mention just because I remember as a kid not seeing it, I missed the show and then thinking that it was like, oh my God, it's so fucking cool. And finally watched it with you guys. Austin and Undertaker in a Buried Alive match. Oh yeah. Two yeah. grown men playing in Nesquik yeah. powder was 
fucking awful. And even still, like the, he gets him in. The bit at the end was so fucked up. Yeah. With the guy not fucking dropping the shit and then yeah. Austin having to go in and try to operate heavy machinery. And Austin's there going, for fuck's sake! With his beer and the fucking empty grave. And the is like, oh no, a little bit of dirt. <laughs> and you know what's even worse than that? That was why Undertaker was gone for like two months and came back as the Lord of Darkness because Austin put like a small pack of compost from Woody's on it. Oh, that was... Because that was, uh, as a kid, I was like... Undertaker, he got buried alive, and like Austin had to fight the Undertaker in a buried alive match, and then the Undertaker came back as a demon, and I thought that was <laughs> rubbish, fucking shit. You should have been ashamed of yourselves. Yeah. But yeah, I think you can turn on any show in the Attitude Era, bar one or two. Almost all the shows had a stinker along the way. Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty yeah. much thinking like WrestleMania 17 might be one of the only ones. I think. Yeah, because I was I, say Rumble I, 2001 as well didn't have. I'm trying to think now. Yeah, Rumble 2001 was a really tight show as well. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I think the 2001 shows were because the card was so stacked always. Yeah. yeah. But like a lot of the 98, 99 ones, I think it's kind of like. Even all, the best shows still had. Still had their moments. Because yeah. they still struggled with the women's division and the, some of the hardcore matches. Like the hardcore spectaculars. Oh. Some of those were just like, I remember just like reading back the notes and be like, and then he hits him, and then he hits him, and then he hits him. And it's just like, no, not good. <laughs> Your favourite storyline of the Attitude Era? Big one. Like the sort of big... Stuff. I don't want you to go lost to the McMahon kind no, of... No, 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 yeah, no, no. Fine, tune it down a little bit that, more. That wouldn't be the case. Yeah. I'm talking more about specific feuds that went mm. over a few months or whatever. The big sort of major one I'd say is probably Triple H and Cactus Jack. Going back to that again, because... From start to finish, it had like a beautiful arc. It was one of those storylines that actually felt like it was written in its entirety before the first. Yeah, you match. can see Chris Kresge's fucking storyboard. He had a up plan, there. like, and that makes such a difference. Yeah, the character of you know yeah. Foley changing from mankind. Couldn't do it as into, mankind. Uh, became Jack. Still couldn't do it. Then had to you know put his career on the line. Like, what a beautiful storyline. Even if, like you said earlier, it was tainted afterwards with. Foley coming back. But I don't even think with the taint, like, because in WrestleMania 2000, you had that little flurry at the end where Foley comes back and just gets a few shots in on Triple H with the barbed wire, mm. and the crowd mm. just like makes the biggest noise they make all night. I think yeah. that shows you just the quality of that writing. That people like, if we want to know like why people love Mick Foley, obviously the risks that he took and the sacrifices he made, and the dedication he showed, but he was booked so fucking yeah. well, and obviously his promos and his work made it so he was put in a position that. I mean, he's still trading on goodwill for me because of that storyline, I think. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever hate Foley because of that. Like. Simply because of that. Yeah. And then, again, going for something a little bit more buried in the Attitude Era, something that I'd never heard of but turned out to be such a great storyline, was the whole Dustin Reynolds, Goldust and Val Venus. Yeah, again, similar kind of yeah. story with a guy changing. Yeah. Goldust going back to being Dustin Reynolds and, you know, preaching the word of God. And then Val Venus, you know, takes his wife, gets to him so deep that... He has no choice but to bring Goldust back out so he can beat Val. Like, fucking lovely. Like, and it's such a silly little mid-card Yeah, thing. not like, for any kind of big belt or anything like that. No, nothing small, like that. Yeah. Nothing on the line. It was just a story. And it yeah. was just a really well done one, I thought. Absolutely. Um, so, my two that I sort of wrote down were Rock's heel turn, turning into yeah. Mankind yeah. versus The Rock. That whole feud was How the double switch, how Mankind was the heel and Rock yeah. was the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just an amazing, amazing moment. Because that got you, didn't that it? That got me. I really <laughs> wasn't expecting it at, at the Deadly Game tournament. And then for my second one was 
Triple H marrying Stephanie. Yeah. yeah. And then Stephanie slowly turning heel mm. uh, on Vince. I, I loved the end of the Great, match. great storyline. Yeah. Because I loved as well, I mean, that was one of my favourite ones, was Vince. Like, you know, even as much as we made fun of the fact that Vince was gone forever and then when he came back. Mm. But I did love the role reversal of when Vince came back of him trying to be a good guy. Yeah. And then him having, like him and Triple H and Armageddon, that's like one of my favourite kind of like, mm. I mean, it's not a great match, but just in terms of a, really pure raw story that they yeah. were going for I thought they did really well there I have to admit as a kid I thought it was brilliant as an adult reviewing this I thought it was brilliant for another way the corporate ministry oh, all yeah. the fucking madness and the weirdness the power play Shane taking it from Vince Vince being in on it the whole time then Austin becoming CEO like it made no sense mm. it made no no sense but there was like I remember watching there's one or two episodes of, of Raw from around that time the show was just so fun because it was so weird we had like, the corporate ministry and they, they had their clutches on the entire company yeah. and then like the next week you know, Austin's the CEO and then bam the show becomes this fucking ridiculous super fun show yeah. with Austin running around and then like you know, the next week he's like no they've gotten the, the power back and then you have a thing where like Shawn Michaels books them all in ridiculous matches and Paul Bear has to fight the big show <laughs> I don't feel like there's ever going to be a storyline again where they're kind of like fuck it let's just put the whole show on its head yeah you know, where they really don't... They felt they kind of felt like, hey, we'll risk an entire show. We'll risk Raw this week on, yeah. on a dime, kind of going, this weird storyline. And you got a lot of that with the, the corporate ministry. Further along down the card, Al Snow's whole kind of journey, particularly with the boss man... The descent into madness. Yeah. yeah. And I think what really got me is I've listened to some of those episodes recently. Three of us are talking about those promos where Al's cutting like after heads had a railroad spike oh, put in him yeah. and he's like bawling his eyes out yeah. saying the voices are never going to stop I'm never going to I was like oh Jesus I think as a kid I was like ah, he's silly <laughs> 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 whereas now I'm like Jesus and I mean I'm kind of I'm, I'm in two minds about Al Snow because obviously he's like hey he's a crazy man and obviously maybe not the best kind of not the best representation of mental health problems or whatever <laughs> But I do feel like that they were onto a little something there. And again, no more than you said with Val and, and Goldust, it was mm. just nice to see so much care and attention. Like, you think they're going to give a microphone to someone far down the card and kind of let them burst into fucking tears yeah. and let their character lose their fucking mind over something as silly as the hardcore belts? Yeah. It went on for so long with Al. What I loved is like, you know, the bit where he won the hardcore belt finally and he was still not happy. And like, that was, we pegged at the whole oh, thing. Oh yeah, he was arguing with Hedabai. Because yeah, he's like, oh, I've not won now. It's just like, there was a lot of subtleties there and I think Al Snow was a lot smarter in terms of what he was doing with his character than even I think I figured out even on this re- rewatch. Yeah, it wasn't just silly man with a head that waved it around a lot. There was like, there was the whole sort of, like his dynamic with head actually did have some thought behind it. Mm. Like that sort of like, best friends but then bickering about things as well and like Al needs head to survive and like when he doesn't have head like he comes out like for three weeks in a row with all his old gimmicks he comes out as like one <laughs> of the rockers he comes out as Avatar and he's like yeah. all like he looks like he hasn't washed in weeks yeah. and like I, th- I thought that was fucking brilliant yeah. Like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the reveal that head was the dominant personality <laughs> yeah, yeah it was great yeah, yeah. Um, I also loved as well the Dudley boys the slow turn from, from heels to face mm. how they kind of became like this they did a really great job with the Dudley Boys almost recreating that Steve Austin kind of feel these anti-establishment guys who became like they almost felt like an Austin hole in terms of the chaos and they were there against the corporate ministry sorry the corporate ministry the the regime and you gotta mention as well the right to censor storyline I thought was 
was a master stroke. One of the yeah. smartest storylines in the Attitude Era for sure. Least favourite storyline? Oh, um, Kane and the Undertaker, whose side is he on? Because that felt like it just Never consumed ended. the podcast for the first year. Like, it, there was it ruined later stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like in the future, like you say, when stuff with Kane and Undertaker could have been cool and happening, it just gave us flashbacks to the whole whose side is he on era. I thought yeah. that was just interminably dull, that whole angle. I think it kind of soured a little bit of the cool, you know, Undertaker and Kane, Brothers of Destruction in late 2000. Yeah. It kind of it ruined a little bit of that almost, because like, oh, here we go again, yeah. you know. You're never going to get swerved if you have a, you know, a fairly decent knowledge of what's more than likely going to happen. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And the other one is the entire PMS saga from its inception <sighs> through hell. to the miscarriage, like the whole thing. It's a complete butchery. You, you, you know it's a bad storyline when, when you use the phrase to the miscarriage yeah. is included in there. But I think it was just a tasteless gimmick. Yeah, like. I was like, they were clearly trying to push the envelope to a horrible degree and like it didn't pay off and now that's always going to be there. In like, It yeah. got no one over. No, it got no one over. It proved no points. It was just tasteless shock value. It was trying to like, you know, be envelope pushing and be edgy. Mm. But now it's just no matter how good you might think the attitude era is, there's always going to be a miscarriage right there in the middle yeah. of it. They can't get rid of that. Yeah. Billy, what were you uh, thinking? I, I wrote Terry's miscarriage down as well mm. as one of the worst storylines. Yeah. And then the other two that I had were, they were good storylines until their payoffs. And that's what completely ruined for me. Okay. Uh, the first is the reveal of the Howard Power. <laughs> um, just it being Vince, anyone but Vince. Yeah. Mm. And I probably would have come out enjoying enjoying that storyline. And the other was again for the payoff. Uh, who ran over Stone Cold? Yeah. See, that was fucking rubbish. What's it? Yeah, that's very. That true. was truly rubbish. I mean, I think for me, the ones I didn't like. There was, you know, there's a number of ones where it was kind of like it seemed on paper it could be good, but then they just fucked around with the finish or the payoff. Like the whole Shamrock, Billy Gunn, Ryan Shamrock saga. And yeah. then we get to WrestleMania and they just put Road Dog in his place. Nothing happened. Yeah. I, I hate, I resented that because the storyline took up so much TV time for so long. Mm. I did not like just the whole tone and overall presentation of the DX reunion in 2000. With them, at the end of '99, start '2000s, with them being all heels with Triple H. Oh God! I yeah. didn't. Li- I didn't mind the whole idea of Triple H being in charge and being the guy. I didn't like this whole kind of, you know, this whole kind of fucking bullshit. Like you know, all the guys sitting backstage in their sunglasses, yeah. booking the show, burying everyone, the casual fucking rape thing they threw in yeah. there. Was yeah. Like, yeah, we raped some girl, you know, and it just that was like. That was very much the kind of stuff I was seeing in WCW at the time. Where like so, you know, that Kevin Nash yeah. style kind of, hey, we're cool yeah. guys, we can do whatever we want. Like, it didn't feel like they were writing that show for the fans. It felt like that storyline was being written for Triple H and his mates. Yeah. It's really what that felt like, Absolutely. so they could feel cool. There was the pleasant surprise of something as crap and shit sounding as Taz versus Jerry Lawler, which turned out to like have a couple of pretty good matches. That was, like, yeah, that ended up, that, man, that feud was a complete twist on me I, I turned up for the books like it was really shocking it was because one of the reasons why it was great watching it with Billy because I was like I was so you know in my thing like oh, I like Taz he's a human suplex machine he can't be silly and you know we kind of come to terms with Taz not being the badass mm. and able to enjoy that storyline because that was actually quite a fun storyline yeah. I, I, I even gave Jerry my MVP for you, did? Yeah. you did yeah you did was that good? it was really really surprising
your favourite episode to record? Because there were obviously ones which were terrible shows but were a blast to record. There were ones which were like really fun shows which maybe were less fun to actually talk about. Mm. Are the ones you have particularly fun memories of just being like an absolute blast? I mean, for me, I gotta say Backlash 99. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, I didn't even know I was recording a podcast when I was doing that. I was just like having like yeah. the best time with my mates. <laughs> like, you know. That, that was where to Stephanie, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 The, you doing the Midnight Society yeah. as Vince Russo and Adam's explosion of laughter. That um, is probably the it's, hardest, it's, probably, like, it's, it's probably one of my fondest memories of the, of the whole run of the podcast. That, that was like, yeah, that was a really fun episode to record. I mean, I always loved recording the UK shows with you. Yeah, they're um, a hoot. Those are always a hoot. I really loved just recording the Broken School Challenge. <laughs> Because it was a completely different episode. Yeah, it was. So weird. We were so outside of our comfort zone, and it, it really kind of it was a real like it was just fun to record. It was everything about that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's a shame because that's got one of my favourite jokes in the whole podcast, and it? it's not even a wrestling episode. <laughs> it's just the wall busters. <laughs> <laughs> And another great one, uh, I think, was uh, the Rage Party. That was a blast. Again, because I was like, no idea. Well, I didn't. I, when we pressed record, and it's no reflection on you or me, but I was like, there's a good chance we're not going to actually have anything to talk about here. Yeah, we, we were very much ready to not release the episode. We were, we were prepared to just say, Right, we watched it. It's just, we can talk about it in the next. We can talk at maybe the start of fifteen. But it was a blast to record. Yeah, Best episode. I, it's the ones where we kind of go outside the comfort zone a bit. We're always fun because the yeah. XFL with you, I yeah. had so much fun as well. Just kind of doing something different, and it made us kind of. I think when you're podcasting about similar themed things for so long, it's very easy just to kind of get into the rut and kind of. I never wanted this to be an, a podcast where it's just like, hey, let's just say the things that make us laugh. Yeah. Hey, remember yeah. when I did that thing in that last episode? Let's just say it again. You yeah. know, yeah. I never wanted to do that, and I knew it would be quite easy to do that. Um, so I'd say the comfort zone always made me. Yeah, I, I don't think we would have had as good a time recording the XFL episode if it wasn't for the halftime show. That yeah. Found, I, I think we would have had a really boring time. Yeah, I think I mean, obviously really there, there, were, there were some things in there that really made us like, like you discovered the name Dick Butkus. Dick and, Butkus. And talking about that. But, um, you I know what think, I think is funny about the name Dick Butkus is the fact that anyone who's named that, how they can wake up in the morning and it's like not like start crying because it's, <laughs> it's like, or start laughing because it's such a terribly shit name. Like, yeah. objectively, you actually, uh, me and Joe were watching something at the moment. I think it's like Oz or something we were watching. Uh, you know, we said Michael Horse from Twin Peaks. Yeah. And some lad like Stephen Carbonara, like, ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. even still, Dick Woodcase is objectively the stupidest name ever. And if you have that, you're an idiot. <laughs> if, that, if that is your name, you're Stupid. <laughs> I think King of the Ring '99 is my favorite episode we recorded. Like that, yeah. It's, I know it's a bit of a random one, but I've listened to that episode quite a few times, and it's got just like some brilliant jokes in it. There's some like hysterical moments in that one. Like, don't think I've forgotten about you, big show. It just felt like it was being overly generous. Like, the, yeah, the, like in not not us. I mean, the show. The show was giving us so much good stuff to work on. with. Like, look how seriously we're taking ourselves. Look how fucking stupid Bob Holly looks. Come on, Billy Gunn's King of the Ring. <laughs> you guys are gonna review this. It, I kind of I actually when we said earlier like favorite favourite pay-per-views I was in a mind to say King of the Ring 99 because it is a shit pay-per-view do not get me wrong but we had a barrel laughs watching it's and recording but it's like it's so shit to like just to 
it kind of like makes I don't want to sound awful, but it kind of makes like the mystique of wrestling a little less kind of a little less like kind of like oh how do they do it? Mm. I don't want to kind of like come off wrongly saying this, but it's like kind of you had so many hot shows around that time, and it was such a hot period. You had all the stars. And yet you managed to make this show, which was a, a fucking oh, it was an abomination of yeah, it. Was it was so nightmare. bad. Yeah. Everything about it was terrible. I just, I love that. Like, I just mm. love that. Like how you know that whole oh, if you're hot and everything, they say everything you do is brilliant. It's not a shit. Like he was King of the Ring. Like Austin and Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon are in a ladder match together. Like it was insanity. I've subscribed to Melser recently. I was like looking at the newsletter from that time. It's like, well, this show was really shit, but it's done the biggest number that any King of the Ring has ever done and probably ever will do. Because that's yeah. just the way it was at the time, you know. So it was quite interesting. Who do you think? some of the most underrated guys at the Atchere. Now, obviously, for you and I, Adam, there's a different style in this question for us because these are some guys who maybe we had opinions of as kids who we've yeah. come around on. So, underrated guys, maybe go for two apiece, maybe. Um, Adam? Owen. Absolutely Owen, I think. Yeah. We're, we're recording a how-to wrestling on Owen Hart soon. Oh, and I'm so excited about that. Like, even though uh, we did something similar, yeah. you know, with yeah. here with three of us, I, mean, I could talk about Owen forever. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, I probably would go with Jeff Jarrett, just in terms of like someone whose opinion changed, you know, my, my opinion changed on so drastically. Like, and like, well, he changed drastically as well, to be fair, when he started the, when we started the podcast and he was Double J mm. coming out with Tennessee Lee and like even a ridiculous st- outfit. Like. Even still, though, I, I'm looking back at that and I'm kind of going, I was way too harsh on, on him. I, did, I, I, did I imagine if we maybe went back and like watched like 14 or. Mm, yeah, we might have a different opinion, opinion on it. Might have a different yeah, opinion to, on to be it. fair, that's the booking's fault, really, wasn't it? Not De- not Jeff's fault. But did character. you have a bad... Because like, you went into this podcast with a, a bad opinion of Jeff Jarrett. Mm. Why, what is it that you think they had oh, that? Just because I, I remember as a kid, like the, the few occasions I saw him on, I thought he was the most generic, boring guy mm. possible. And he just like was this tedious wrestler. I thought his wrestling was crap. I thought his gimmick, like his look and his whole thing was crap. Yeah. Like, and... When he's we were such watching. a good wrestler though isn't yeah, he yeah. so ridiculously good it's like, unbelievably good it's so funny to think because like, as a kid you don't pick up on that I mean no. like you know, as a kid I didn't pick up on it like hey Jeff Jarrett really knows how to fucking sell yeah like you don't and, but fucking hell that man really knows how to sell yeah, like. he could wrestle yeah so yeah my two underrated guys were also one of the most underrated tag teams of the Attitude Era Owen and Jeff it was funny about Jeff but wasn't there an episode where you made me cut out a line because you said something really horrible? What was it you said? You it said was, something. Uh, it was, it was like you wanted to kill him or something. Yeah, like. it, was, it was after. Uh, it was during the segment where Blackman and him had a fight after the concert. Yeah, Blackman beat him up. And I was like, are you happy that he got he, beaten up? And I'm like, no, I wanted him to die. No, it was it was something <laughs> along the lines of I think someone hit him with a dodgy looking Hurricane Rana. It might have been Ken because that was his favorite. Someone hit him with a dodgy Hurricane Rana, and I remember saying, like, Jesus, that could have paralysed him. Not that I'd really mind it. <laughs> like, instantly afterwards. Like, yeah. no, no. Back in the way, Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Billy, obviously, I mean, I don't know a lot of these guys when we were coming into were, like, Jeff and Owen, I mean, this might have been some of the first times you saw them, was it? Like, so I don't um, know if it was the same thing for you. Yeah, or... I hadn't heard. Uh, I, the only way I knew Jeff was. Um, I knew he was the guy who started uh, TNA, so that didn't bode well for me. Yeah, because I mean, he kind of he had that, 
almost like a poisonous aura about him. I remember like stopping watching TNA because I'm like, I'm fucking sick of fucking Jeff Jarrett. And I stopped. And that was a stupid reason to stop. Stop watching when it was good because I hated Jeff Jarrett. And I only hated Jeff Jarrett because I hated him as a kid. And I don't know why I did. I think it's because he like had a shitty gimmick. Like he was a dickhead. Like. And then with Owen, like you said, and um, I nearly called it How to Owen then. Um, <laughs> in a, uh, like I said, now I only knew Owen as the wrestler who died. Yeah. So, so yeah, they were they were two guys who were very much very much exceeded uh, my expectations. Mm. But my main two, my main few people, it's um, it's a it's a weird one purely because of how I sort of see them now. Compared to how they were then, one of the big ones, Triple H for me. Yeah, good shout. Absolutely, I, I, good I, I don't agree that Triple H should be heralded as the architect of the Attitude Era. No, what he's he was not. throughout was a solid fucking hand. Yeah, he yeah. consistently put on great matches. So Absolutely. much, he was so much better than so many other people, and he was one of the few heels who seemed willing to be a bastard. Yeah. You know, he just, he was, he was, you needed that, like, for the likes of Austin to work, you needed a few real fucking bastards, you know, and Austin, you know, 98, I think a lot of the time he was feuding with, with monsters, you know, Undertaker, yeah, Kane, yeah, Mankind, yeah. seeing him feud with just, like, a, a cold-blooded monster, like, you know, Triple H instead, who was such a proper villain, and, yeah. you know, he's real old school in that yeah. way as well, yeah, really underrated, I thought. And uh, the other one that came to mind immediately when uh, when he asked the question was uh, Luna Vachon. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, from, as you know from the get-go, when I called her Luna Goldust, <laughs> I, I, I kind of fell in love with the character, yeah. and just her dedication to making herself as vile and disgusting and, you know... Absolutely. Yeah. As 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 close to Rita Repulsa as you know <laughs> as you could possibly do. Just yeah. tapping into a side of women's wrestling that I think that like ninety nine percent of people assume that you're just not allowed to do that. Like, I, I can't think know? of any other examples. Very very few. Really? Very Especially few. in the Attitude Era as well, considering what the climate was like then. Now, like, like with all the amazing women's wrestling that's going around the Indies and here, you think there'd be kind of a few more people who'd be kind of like, hey, you know, you don't have to be fucking. You, you can be this fucking horrible, yeah. monstrous, like, ah, Jesus, like, to kind of, to try and sum up the same kind of feelings that, like, original Mankind did, with that kind of, like, oh, God, this yeah. person is just fucking there's, distressing, kind yeah. of, you know? There, there, there's, there's one lady on the indies at the moment in in, in, in Britain, which is, um, I, 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 it sucks I can't remember her name. Her name is something like Cadaver. Oh, she's the living dead girl. She yeah, she's, like, literally, like, like, crawled out of, like... A, a fridge and a morgue and she's all like bandages and, and stuff yeah, yeah, that's yeah. her gimmick no, that's right. her like, gimmick she is, yeah. she is, she is dead I can't if it, I think it's cadaver but I could mm. be completely wrong I think I, I know that she's living dead girl is her, yeah. girl, is her thing I've, I've, I've seen her that's she's, cool yeah. she's really interesting that's the closest I can think coming close to um, to, to Luna that's yeah. one I've example seen. though like, but yeah. I can't yeah. think I can't think of another female character obviously there's big gaps in my my knowledge, but I can't think of another. But very few that would have that gimmick, and also the wrestling pedigree of the Vachon wrestling family. Yeah, so true. she's kind of very much kind of in a league of her own yeah. there, almost. Another close one it would be Daphne. Yeah, Daphne yeah. and TNA kind of went for t- yeah. to kind of shun the sort of the pretty girl. Yeah, and as a result of that, TNA uh, made sure that she, uh, you know, suffered needlessly throughout her her, yeah. her time there. Good job, guys. Hey, Billy Corgan, are you going to give Daphne that big fucking check? You should. <laughs> um, I would say underrated guys. Recently, we're talking about him on How to Wrestling. Confirmed 100% by suspicions that D'Lo Brown is yeah. one of... I mean, you're mentioning all guys there who, you know, there's people to go to bat from. D'Lo Brown 
has not got that kind of oomph behind him and I was just the reaction to that how to wrestling episode seeing all people going fuck yeah D'Lo Brown and then lots of people going to go what the fuck are you doing D'Lo Brown ew D'Lo Brown he's shit it's like have you watched the man's matches yeah have you seen him in 98 have you seen how he was such a hot heel yeah who turned that into being a hot baby face mm-hmm. who got the crowd chanting his name or chanting that he sucks no matter where they were no one managed to do that quite like D. I think D'Lo really underrated because all the other guys we're talking about, they're guys who they already have their kind of their people praising yeah, them, yeah. kind of saying, "Hey, you know, this guy's you know, Triple H doesn't need us to fucking no, stick up yeah. from you know." People are going to hate Triple H regardless of what we say, but Jesus Christ, D'Lo Brown, talk about a guy who really the the rug pulled out from underneath mm, him. Yeah, you look at '98 and you see D'Lo wrestle. You see, you watch D'Lo and Jeff at SummerSlam '1999. And then you fast forward a year later and he's in fucking lowdown yeah. wearing a turban. Who the f- What? So unfair. Obviously, it's not just a case of, oh, the Booker man was being mean with his pencil. There was a lot of things going into it, but D'Lo Brown is so underrated. And I can't talk about underrated and not mention, again, Chris Kresge, mm-hmm. who yeah. I think it is so funny and so ridiculous that you can be famous as a wrestling writer for doing... Mostly for known for being doing bad things in the case of so many famous wrestling writers and they kind yeah. of they've gained infamy more than fame. And Chris Kresge, I still don't know what he fucking looks like. No. Yeah. You know, he obviously has passed away, but you're talking about those shows, that two thousand hot streak, all those awesome angles you were talking about, oh with the payoff and the character development and yeah. how we had Kurt Angle and Stephanie a year before they became, you know, linked on screen kind of had little, you know, interactions which all played off down yeah. the line with, you know, Triple H going, oh, I don't like this guy. And then nine months later, they're fighting tooth and nail over Stephanie. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think this last year since uh, we've not been releasing as many episodes, we've been up on podcasting as much, wrestling has been really, really amazing. Mm. But even still, as good as wrestling is, you don't have that tight structure that I think I've only ever seen when that man was running that yeah. show. Maybe Heyman running SmackDown 2005. Yeah, that's as close yeah. as he gets. That kind of time, or 2000-ish, wherever he was doing that. But other than that, I don't think I've ever seen like kind of a, a real tight ship, so to speak, where yeah. everyone having something ready to do. You know, that was really definitely underrated guy. Can I just point out that out of all, all of our underrated guys that we've picked, we had Jeff Jarrett, Owen, Triple H, and um, D.O. Brown. Yeah. Does that make the European title the most underrated belt? <laughs> yeah. It's like, seriously, Probably, think about yeah. it. There's some good competitions for the European belt, especially in 98 and 99. Like, before it really got, you know, pushed to the side, like after Shane had got it or whatever. Back in the early days of, like, Triple H and um, well, yeah, Triple yeah, H and Owen Hart yeah. and, like, yeah, X-Pac getting involved. X-Pac got thrown as well as an underrated guy. Yeah. yeah. A guy who I really, like, had disdain for an X-Pac heat for, for the reasons we discussed in the episodes past. Yeah. But, man, that guy could wrestle. Now, the other side of that, then, we kind of went into this, like, this podcast with a lot of preconceptions. I didn't even know I had them. Mm. But, Jesus Christ, we certainly thought the New Age Outlaws were, 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 were just, like, I, I can't even describe it, because it's, like, when you didn't like the New Age Outlaws, Billy. You were genuinely dumbfounded. I yeah. was dumbfounded, but as long as I could turn around and kind of go, well, here's why you should like them. Here's the match. It's just this, like, fucking thing that was... Maybe it's you, you sing along to someone's entrance so many times yeah. that you just become a fucking blind... Like, the blind hatred I had for Jeff Jarrett was nothing like the blind adulation I had for the New Age Outlaws. It's just unquestioning. No, shut up. And I can't go, oh, I'm a, I'm a little kid. I'm a fucking grown-ass man. I started this <laughs> podcast and I still thought they were great. 
I really think looking back, outside of a few awesome hot tags and a few matches, like their match with Owen and Jeff, but yeah. I'm laying that on them, they were fucking massively overrated. But I'm sure you guys have got some other ones which you could think of as I well. I think we're probably in agreement on the main one, I would have thought. Uh, yeah. Undertaker. Yeah. Easily. So, we're, I mean, I, I still like... I, I'm kind of going like weakened and tiny now. Like, <laughs> like you know when Wario, you beat him up at the end of six gold coins, and he's like tiny. <laughs> That's me in, in my defense of the Undertaker. Demon Undertaker, we had, then we had like proper Lord of Darkness, mm. you know, heir apparent Satan Undertaker. Then we had American Badass Undertaker. Yeah. And before that, a little bit, we had kind of proto badass yeah. bike riding Phenom in the desert. What is it about The Undertaker that you thought was so overrated then, Adam? I think, I, I, think, I was thinking about this recently and I think I've put my finger on what it is now, is that I always knew looking back that the American Badass area was kind of like a bit ropey, that wasn't Undertaker at his best. But then around 2004 when he came back and brought the Deadman gimmick back, and then he went on to have what I still think is the best run he's ever had in his career. It's funny you think like, that is his best run. Yeah, yeah is the is the later parts of his mm. uh, career, like you know, 2006, seven, where he's fighting Edge and Batista. Yeah, and those big feuds, and then you know the whole streak legacy getting really built up, and he putting on like you know five star matches every year, basically. That got me thinking that like, oh, this is proper phenom Deadman Undertaker. This is like how it was back in the old days when he was the Phenom, yeah, like yeah. when he was the original Undertaker. He was this good back then. And then you go back and you realise it's more Buffy the Vampire Slayer than like yeah. current badass evil Undertaker. And it's, is that extended in the ring as well or is it just the character that you're kind of down on? Both. I think that the character was lame and really dated and like just didn't hold up, <laughs> which you could forgive if the in-ring work was good, but I thought that most of the time he was boring. He was ring. he was in such worse shape in 98, 99 than yeah. he was in yeah. like those the period you mentioned. He because he had a lot of injuries, he had like ankle yeah. problems, he would like he was he had a little pot belly on him like he wasn't the big kind of long kind of because it was a tall thin kind of build was taken yeah. I don't think he ever really was that at the start of the Attitude Era I think his in-ring work didn't really start picking up until like a little bit after he started doing the American mm. Badass gimmick yeah. like around when he was feuding with Angle and then going into Armageddon and yeah. then Rumble and Wrestlemania finally he started picking up because like, I was going to say WrestleMania 17 I would almost say was his best match of the attitude Easy. Yeah, yeah. easily yeah. yeah undoubtedly so what about you Billy Why, what is it about Taker that didn't hold us up for you I think when you've got a gimmick as insane <laughs> as, as, as what I call the, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Taker you've got to be able to act convincingly with the gimmick and throughout the whole thing I just got this isn't a character this isn't a real person this is Mark Holloway reading a script he's not a good actor he's can't true. All, those, years, all, many all those dragons have laid siege to my kingdoms uh. he's, he's literally talking about like the end of days yeah. and bringing forth the higher power which controls him and he's doing it in such a deadpan not non emotive. He's got no emotion, no mm. conviction. He's scared as a kid, though. Yeah. He's, he's got no conviction in anything he says. I'd say Taker now, like um, in the past year or so, uh, where we had Taker, fi- Taker finally confronting Brock yeah. after beating the streak. That I was genuinely surprised that he could actually pull out that kind of pull out that sort of emotion because I'd never seen him do yeah. it before. And there's been some sometimes 
um, in more recent years where he, he has been able to do that like uh, his matches with uh, the second match he had against Triple H well, I yeah. said the second the third match mm-hmm. in, in total um, him against uh, him retiring Sean great emotion from the character and it's just we didn't get that so is it all because I mean I guess I think the thing I'm so struggling with with Undertaker and kind of throwing him to the bus is that I still associate him so strongly as just kind of not just being specific to that era but being kind of yeah. this kind of constant so I guess when you judge him against his later stuff it doesn't really hold up no more in the way that I guess that if you look at Shawn Michaels at the time yeah. it doesn't really yeah. hold up with what was going on I guess what I was always just impressed by him is that he was very much like the flag bearer almost of he was the only thing that was consistent from Hogan to New Generation mm. to the Attitude Era and I think that was very important that he was there even though his character I mean it's not aged well I mean I don't think he can help the fact that it's not aged well but I think the fact is that if he maybe had performed it with a little bit more you know oomph or whatever that that wouldn't have been such an issue the fact that it had aged kind of poorly yeah I guess when I'm sitting here and I'm thinking and I'm struggling to come up with matches for The Undertaker you know Good matches, really like, awesome yeah. kick ass matches I mean I just look at it if, if, if well I say if when you do how to Undertaker you're going to be picking matches from before the Attitude Era and after the Attitude Era that's true pretty They're, much you, 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 you may do Triple H versus 17, him at 17 yeah. but more than likely you're going to choose other matches yeah it's honest. true yeah. you're not going to pick the Undertaker from the Attitude Era I'll show you know, you'll, you'll be important to see him slitting his wrists and making him <laughs> yeah. chaps drink his blood I guess I mean for me one of the reasons why I won't just kind of say oh fuck him you know he was shit is I, you know, I, I know we don't agree on the, the corporate ministry thing. I just, as a kid, I thought it was the funniest. Like, even as a kid, I was like, oh, this is so stupid and brilliant and amazing. And I still kind of feel that. I thought that it was such a ridiculously brilliant angle. And I just, there's so, there's no one else in the company who could have done that. Even if he didn't do it great. Mm-hmm. No one else could stood there in his big black tent and be all spooky and sit on his, you know, plywood Undertaker single chair with fire going behind him looking all silly. And actually get over with it as well. Like. And you know what? As much as you will, you know, as much as we've pointed and laughed at him, as much as you'll say how lame stuff was, no one ever laughed at that man when he was doing his shit. Mm-hmm. No. You know, and that wasn't a crowd full of babies and kids, you know, like, you know, in the Hogan era, they, the children would cry when he would come out. You were talking about your frat boy crowd, and he was still able to, you know, no one was pointing and laughing at him or throwing mm-hmm. shit at him or anything like that. So I still have to say he had that mystique. So for me, I can never truly mm-hmm. say that he didn't have that, even if the match quality wasn't there. But I don't think we'll ever know really what entirely was going on because I know that there was divorce thingies yeah. and injury thingies. Yeah. It, does, it just seemed like his heart wasn't in it for the most part. Yeah, I think there was other shit going on that until The Undertaker finally goes to 123 Gimmick Street and uh, opens up a can. Of audio whoopers with Hershey the Wonder Dog, we'll never know. Yeah. Dead man walking. You've done it now. You've done it So, something very important that we were doing last night in MVP. Something we kind of tried to do, not intentionally like, to, to track progress, but obviously looking back now. It is quite interesting, I wonder, now to see our final tallies. Which, Billy, you got the final tallies there, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I'm sorry that I have, have not got your name, fan, who sent us this. Because I was... I, when we originally started the podcast, I said to everyone, don't worry, guys, I've got a tally worked out. I'm going to work out all our MVPs by the end of it. I never fucking did it once. <laughs> it's like, it's like I would continue to say, yeah, right, that down, never fucking did it. Because if you didn't send me this... The guys would have turned to me and gone, "Well, Billy, this is the three years you've been working <laughs> toward. 
and I would have just had to cry. I would um, just imagine that guy from Super Jail gets mad stressed out with the mustache going, oh, we're going to get out again! Trying to compile all these national events. So, uh, so this guy sent us essentially all of our MVPs, the MVP total overall mm. for the podcast. And then who was in Match of the Nights? Match of the Nights, best workers, and you know, in some interesting facts. So we'll start with Kevin. In third place with four MVPs was Triple H. Ah. I sense. think I said at the start that like, the Aetherio podcast was the one place you could go to on the internet where we praise Triple H. Yeah. I think Triple H, obviously, since 2013, has made fans love him a lot more because of NXT. But when we started... People hated him. Fucking, and I think know, they were still remembering the whole punk thing going badly. Like that was still fresh in everyone's mind. That punk like, thing happened, which reminded them of his the reign of terror. Rain of terror yeah. And it's just a knock-on effect with Triple H. He'll do something that reminds you what a prick he is at some point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, second place with five MVPs was The Rock. Mm. And uh, with your joint winner, what? Your joint MVP with seven MVPs each were Austin and Foley. Wow, that's interesting. Austin, Foley, Rock and Triple H is pretty much like the four heads of the Attitude It is, it's the Mount Rushmore of the Attitude yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, I guess the truth... <laughs> Triple H, I just... He's so good, he's so solid and all that, but he ain't, he ain't the architect, though. God, he's no. not. And I don't know how, in good conscience, a company can turn around and call Seth Rollins, as a heel move, the architect of the shield, and then with a straight face in a documentary say Triple H is the architect of the <laughs> You know, that's like, you know, Vince McMahon, he just was unquestionably the toughest son of a bitch in the <laughs> WWF. That's interesting because, I mean, the one thing I will say about the MVPs with me, I did on a number of occasions consciously go with Austin. Because I was like, had to remind my. It's so easy to take him for granted. Mm. Them butts were in them seats so many nights because of Austin. And that's just because of the type of crowd that they were drawing. You know, Madison Square Garden, for instance, or wherever, it's not Austin necessarily putting everyone in there. Those are wrestling fans. But when you're talking about your M- Milwaukee, Wisconsin's, mm. you know, your Wyoming's or whatever, that's a Steve Austin star power bringing in the non fan. And I think that that was something I was always like, hey, this was a shit show, but. There was a big crowd there and they were hyped to see some wrestling primarily because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. In 98 and early 99, that was doubly so true. You see, I think I was a bit more sporadic with my MVPs. I seem to remember sort of being more like, well, tonight this guy surprised me. A bit so of I'm a potpourri, like. like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I remember one of yours was uh, D'Lo Brown because he shook his head a bit. You said, I'll give it to D'Lo Brown. It was fuck quite it. early on. Yeah, fuck it. Was it, like, it was like an unforgiven. Yeah. Like, you did that. Uh, so you in third place with four MVPs, The Rock. Okay. In uh, second place, you have Vince. Makes sense. With, wow! With there was a lot of occasions where I thought Vince was impressive. Four and a half MVPs, because one of them was split with Shane. Oh, ah. yeah. There were so many times where like it felt like a show was about to fall apart, and then here comes Vince McMahon with a Vince McMahon promo, or yeah. you know, just going, fuck it, kill me in a match. Yeah. You know? like, oh, I love the action era. I forgot about it's that. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. shit, you know, St. Valentine's Day Massacre ain't looking so hot. Fuck it, throw me off a cage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Vince sacrificed a hell of a lot more than yeah. any billionaire I know. <laughs> and then with six MVPs, your number one was Foley. Oh. oh. Interesting that Steve Austin didn't kind of uh, appear on your radar there. No, I, I think I did take him for granted, like as you say. Yeah. Like, I wasn't thinking about big picture out here. I was thinking like show by show. Yeah. yeah. Who impressed me the most on mm. this card? So. And then for me, in joint third place, 
The Rock, Vince, and Shane wow. with three pay-per-views each. I'm surprised I didn't give more to Shane, if I'm honest, seeing as when mm. he started wrestling, yeah. every match he was in, he stole the show. Mm. Second place for me was Triple H with five MVPs, which I'm not surprised because mm. I fucking love Triple H. Yeah. I'll say it here, I fucking love Triple H. <laughs> um, and overall, with seven MVPs, it's no surprise it's Foley. Yeah. Mm. Um, which makes Foley our overall MVP of the Attitude Era. With to- 20 total MVPs. Wow. Interesting. Um, third place, The Rock, mm-hmm. with 12 total MVPs. And the runner-up for overall MVP, Triple H, huh. 14, so no Austin inside. Yeah. Well, that is very interesting because, I mean, that was the next thing I wanted to ask, and it was a big one that people are asking us. I mean, obviously, I was being maybe a little more conscious of the bigger picture, as you mm-hmm. said, with my MVPs. But there is that age-old question, which is, was it Austin or was it The Rock? Who was the star of the Attitude Era? Now, we've got three very different perspectives. Obviously, you're someone who's not, you didn't watch it before, so you're looking at it from outside. You started watching 2000 when The Rock would have been firmly the man. Mm. And I watched started watching in 98 when Austin was firmly the man. Now, I think I'm always going to say that it's Austin because I think The Rock's success was only possible because Austin was there. I think they were at points on equal footing, Mm. but I don't think there was ever a point where The Rock was better than Austin. I don't know. What do you guys think? I agree with that. I think they only ever got to being equal. It never had Rock surpassing Austin and like Austin, not in the Attitude Era anyway. Mm. If you want to talk in like 2002 and 3 or whatever, probably probably the case, yeah. yeah. But like you say, I think Austin bringing in all the publicity and the draw that he was was the reason why The Rock managed to get over. But I think the main thing for me is that The Rock has since gone on and like he's made a name for himself as a movie star now. He's like more than a guy that used to be a wrestler. The Rock is just Dwayne Johnson now. He's mm. an entertainer. He does all these different projects. He's one of the highest paid actors of all time. I think he's yeah. the highest paid actor yeah. in Hollywood at the moment. Yeah, so he is, he's made this legacy in Hollywood. He's done all these different things. If Hollywood I, was Frasier, The Rock would very much be Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think Steve Austin, like even though he's done great things since he's finished his career and everything, I think... The Attitude Era will always be the thing that defines him. That's like, his. To everyone. Like, to, to the whole world, there'll be a lot of people that are like, oh, the, Dwayne Johnson, he's a wrestler. Some people will say, oh, Dwayne Johnson, he's the movie star. Mm. I think pretty much unanimously, Stone Cold will be revered as the person that was the biggest guy in wrestling at this point in time. Because, yeah, I, I think it's very interesting to kind of think of a world where maybe... Austin didn't win that King of the Ring and didn't become Stone Cold, but they pulled the trigger on Rocky Maivia to become yeah. The Rock. It just seems like the circumstances to make that promo where he becomes The Rock, you know, and all that, it felt like, you know, even the Nation of Domination, all that stuff feels like, well, how can that exist in a world where it's not centred around Steve Austin, yeah. who's ripped up your rule book or whatever? Billy, as an outsider, I guess your perspective on this is... is, is most interesting you saw Austin you know when he was running on top we got to see his you know him become a champion at 14 and then him basically holding that belt on and off non-stop for a full year and a bit and then The Rock kind of taking the mantle off him around the time of Wrestlemania 2000 and him becoming the main face who do you think was the bigger of the two? The Rock one of the fun facts of this thing that this fan sent us was I never once picked Stone Cold for MVP why? Do you not like Austin? Not particularly. I like him. I like him. Yeah, but the character... If you, were to, if, you were, if you were to ask me now, in 2016, 
who I prefer, Austin or The Rock. I'll say Austin. Just as a person, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. The Rock, I, I just think, is an insufferable tit now. <laughs> but going back over the Attitude Era and thinking about it, I'd say I didn't particularly care for Austin. I don't know if it's because I'm English and I couldn't really identify. He's very nineties, isn't it? The very nineties and American character, but um, I never really found. I mean, aside from stuff like Austin becoming the CEO, I never really found because that's that's what I go for in wrestling. My when I go for, if people ask me who my favorite wrestlers are from when I was watching in two thousand six, I'm saying wrestlers who aren't. You can't say gifted particularly. Yeah. But they have character. Yeah, yeah. And Austin, to me, has never really had the character. I watched some clips of Austin as a heel. I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. in one. Playing Aust- guitar. Aust- Austin as a heel, I love so much. And, I've, and loads of people shit on that. But yeah. love this. I find that Austin so much more entertaining. Because that's interesting. Because when we were looking back, obviously... You weren't just watching the show, but we were kind of pulling back the layers a little bit, and I was very, very interested because it was something I never, never, ever, ever knew about. But you know, listening to the podcast and doing some of the research and finding out, you know, we talked about before the paranoia of Steve Austin, yeah. the protection of that spot, you know, the unwillingness. Not say, oh, he won't put people over, but he, you know, he wouldn't work with Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, you know, there were, there were, he wouldn't job to Triple H. There were a number of things and scenarios that he would say no to. If he had his way, he wouldn't even come out in the beer truck. And I kind of always was quite interesting when you talk about that, the character of Steve Austin and that he was so protective of his spot. And I wonder if that kind of... The fact when he took himself so fucking seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's why I love so much about Foley. He's getting, you know, so many times he probably got an MVP because he made me smile. Yeah. You know, or he made me laugh and made me feel good, kind of. Whereas Austin, I think there were a number of times where it felt like Austin was more concerned with him keeping his gimmick and his character and his brand or whatever you want to call it intact more than putting on a show. Maybe. Well, there were several instances of like a great match where like Austin gets screwed or loses at the end or whatever. And we're like, that's great. And then he spoils it by getting up and giving the guy a stunner. Survivor like, Series 98. The yeah. Rock crowned as the champion, the bad guy. He's run the show, the corporation. What's going to happen to Mick Foley? Doesn't matter. Comes Austin to stun the Rock. Yeah. Go home happy. Everyone. No way out 2001. The end of the biggest Triple H and Stone Cold rivalry. Triple H wins. Austin proves himself back. as the better technical wrestler. Stunner. Stunner. Boom. Yeah. And I think that's kind of me when you you want to send the fans home happy fine but I mean, that has to happen on the show I think there were guys who as much as Austin created the circumstances where guys at The Rock could become a star overnight Triple H could become a star, bigger star and all that I do feel that there was maybe an environment there where certain guys didn't get over mm-hmm. um, and we talked about it with, maybe with D'Lo Brown but with Jeff Jarrett it kind of feels like well shit why didn't he get a at least a go at the world a, belt. Attempt. It's yeah. one thing if, yeah, he gets a shot and he gets a go at the main event like Ken Shamrock did. It doesn't work. They don't connect. Let's leave it. But when you're kind of like, no, nah, no, nah, let's just not do this at all. Yeah. Or when Triple H has to literally sit as the hottest heel in wrestling in 1999 and wait for two months mm-hmm. for fucking past the parcel so yeah. he can finally get the belt. And that, that's kind of... That always soured a little bit of Austin. But you can't deny the reason why he was the biggest star and as well known as he was was because he was so protective like that. There was no you look at all the big stars in wrestling who made that big money. And I'm not talking Mick Foley money, I'm talking Steve Austin money. Yeah. You know, as in Steve Austin don't need to come back and wrestle. 
even if the economy is bad. Mm. And I think it's because of that overprotectiveness, you know. But I'd have to say it's Austin, though, out of the two, Austin, The Rock. But if The Rock wasn't there when Austin came back in the end of 2000, there wouldn't have been a company, I don't think. No. You know? So I think they're kind of interlinked a lot more than we can ever really go for. Jim Cornette says the reason the Attitude Era was such a success is because it's the only time in wrestling you've had two kind of a plus 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 yeah. caliber talents at once as in you've got a Hulk Hogan and another Hulk Hogan in terms of drawing power at the same time because you know the ultimate warrior never drew as much as Hogan did yeah. even though he's around at the same time so that could be it it's very interesting a question for you Adam one that's been requested a lot what is the all time greatest grunge of the oh, attitude era on, it's not even so worth asking easy. as a question is it what is it it's the Glargay. It's the Glargay. It has to be. It has like, to be I mean, don't get me wrong, there's been some fucking amazing grunts. And even grunts, since yeah. we finished, I mean, you hear that Undertaker mega grunts. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it's, it, come on, it's got to be the Glargay. Yeah. Like, pretty much all of our branding and, like, our community and everything has come from this one little grunt. Like, yeah. It's so, like, did you see the guy that sent us a video on Facebook? An actual wrestler in America. Oh, yeah. So in his match, did like, and he wasn't like a subtle little reference. He did a big, like, massive. Apparently, at WrestleCon, like, last year and the year before, like, when Jeff Jarrett was wrestling, he'd pop people in a sleeper, like, there was people going, I love the idea that, like, I said, a wrestler tweeted us in, an indie wrestler, and he had Gay written on, on his, his tape. On his yeah. tape, like. We even had on the on um, Squared Circle on Reddit, we had the. We had a fan ask Jeff Jarrett in an MA if he was actually saying Glargo. He said no, but you're close. Whatever that fucking means. <laughs> I was actually saying Glargo. I was just saying Glargo to my fucking gold pyramid scheme website. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all your money. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Glargo, I mean. Has to be the Glargo. It's like, it's almost iconic. It's what created now. the grunt, it's what created the segment. Yeah, it so is. how could it not be the thing that created it's the same? Yeah, yeah, I showed Joe it. from HRS wrestling the the Gladiator the other day. She's like, "Oh, that's really iconic." I'm like, "Iconic? <laughs> what does that word mean? Is it like a bird, like a dodo?" <laughs> I, I, the word iconic, I, I, but that's uh, just the word you would use to describe that Gladiator. I mean, in our little podcast, in our little so podcast world, it's a niche. In, Has this, to be. in this corner of the internet, yeah. those words certainly don't mean he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Any other kind of contenders for grunts outside of you know that one? Because I mean, I don't know, something I've been watching a lot of wrestling recently, and uh, I've noticed certain wrestlers, uh, D'Lo Brown being one of them, a lot of spit, a lot of gloop. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to maybe start doing gloop of the night, and our team can be grunts and gloop. Grunts and gloop. <laughs> We're fucking disgusting. That's our gimmick. <laughs> if I had to pick one other one, and it was only because I'd forgotten how good this was until I was editing the Grunt of the Night compilation recently, it's the one where Perry Saturn gets thrown over the top rope, like lands on his back, and the cameraman goes right up to his face, and he just turns and goes, Ah! <laughs> right in the camera. <laughs> what was that like to edit that video? You have no idea how much fun. You'd think it would be tedious, but I had so much fun. I, when I sat down and watched it, I was in floods of tears because it was like hitting me with a fucking machine gun. Like, <laughs> just just one after the other. Boom, oh, boom. Jesus Christ. If you've not seen it already, go to our Vimeo account and check out the Grunt of the Night compilation. So much fun. Alright, so we got some 
questions here from Twitter. I'm just going to ask people some general questions to see kind of any stuff they might or wouldn't know about. Obviously, we hit the kind of the main kind of ones there, which we were hoping to discuss. Suki Singh asking us here, how would you compare the quality of in-ring wrestling during the Attitude Era compared to what we're watching now? Obviously, we're in an era now where you've got NXT and on WWE, you've AJ fucking Styles, Seth Rollins, you know, you got, you've got a high caliber of in-ring wrestling at the moment. Take it as an omen, people. The fact that the world is so fucked up in 2016, at least appreciate that the wrestling is good. Because if you're not going to appreciate that, 2016 is a bleak place to be alive. Mm. Yeah. But how would you compare the two, would you say? On the whole, I think modern wrestling is better in ring. Mm. Like, I think, generally speaking, it's it's cleaner, it's like crisper, it's more professionally, I don't want to say choreographed, but it looks more impressive. Slicker. Slicker, yeah, exactly. And it's safer as well, generally speaking. Like the whole world a bit of better, wrestling. I think, as well. Yeah. yeah. But then you do have downsides, like selling isn't as good as it used to be in terms of like long-term selling, like selling a, a particular body part throughout a match. Finishers have diminished enormously in terms Ten of- punch spots been waged you <laughs> way too fucking much. Pretty much everything JR says on his podcast, but still overall, 2016 wrestling is better than Attitude Era. Interesting. Billy, what do you think? Um, I agree with Adam in that wrestling actual the wrestling itself is 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 much better today mm. Mm. in terms of characters storylines attitude era mm, even though so. even though we've had we, we earlier in the episode we were saying all these storylines that were terrible at least they had fucking stories well, there's stuff to do you know i mean kind of you know, we're in 2016 august 2016 at the moment and you've got uh, you know Dolph Ziggler's getting a world title run against yeah. Ambrose and I could turn around to you and kind of go what the fuck has Dolph Ziggler done the last year and I couldn't really tell you and I've watched every you know Raw and Smackdown since then mm. the attitude era though you tell me well, what was you know X-Pac up to in 98 well he was in DX and he feuded with D-Lo and you, you can kind of pick a roster and a time frame and if you watch the shows you know what they were doing yeah you guys have watched most of the shows and I can probably pick a guy and say what are you doing this year you know, and if there wasn't the main event guy or someone who's really got focus like a Seth Rollins or mm-hmm. Cena or maybe AJ or whatever you'd struggle to really think hey what the fuck was you know Ryback doing you know in October yeah. mm-hmm. you know I mean it's, I've said it before but storylines shouldn't be reserved for the upper cards Absolutely. Yeah, it's not like an elitist thing. Like, and, yeah. and, and even then, for the most part, the, the storyline nowadays is I'm a face, I have the belt, I'm a heel, I won that belt. It's like the 17. Mm. Like, so yeah. Work for 17, but if it's every single pay-per-view like it, it is now, more, yeah. you need to do something. You need to have storylines. I guess yeah. it's kind of... What's funny is... I remember watching some of these Attitude Era shows and kind of going, God, God, if only there's so many kind of plodding wrestlers here, I'm sitting there watching a fucking DOA wrestling Legion of Doom or whatever, and kind of going, Jesus, pick up the fucking pace. And then you kind of realise, you know, when you see, hey, look, here's Adrian Neville and Kevin Owens, all like my favourite wrestlers from the indies when I, you know, was first getting into wrestling hardcore in, you know, 2000s or whatever. And so you you do need more than just your favourite wrestlers wrestling kick-ass matches. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah... Kevin Owens has wrestled a million kick-ass matches against the million guys who I love, but I need more than that in mm. my day-to-day wrestling, I guess. If we, if, if we could have maybe the sensibilities of the current-day product with the in-ring action, but the kind of the, the writing and the focus from them, because I think Vince Russo thinks that he can just write a show now with these guys. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think wrestling's mm. a lot bigger now. Yeah, It has to have more to it, but I still think that you have so many fucking writers, someone can surely figure out something look at the oddities 
Yeah. Remember when the oddities debuted? And it was, it was the lick. It, it was rubbish, but it had something compared to that, that to say the core. Mm. Yeah. Remember when the core debuted? No, no really. One, no. no one fucking does. But you remember when the <laughs> yeah. oddities did? Yeah. ICP were there. It was bizarre. Giant Kramer Dolder. was there. <laughs> Michael Cole or whoever it was said Cartman. You know, <laughs> you, you have stuff to remember which you just don't get in modern wrestling, which is a shame. You have to go to you have to go to places like Chikara or Lucha Underground yeah. Yeah. for if you want storytelling and characters in your wrestling, which I do. That's what I tend to go for yeah. the most over mm. in wrestling actual product yeah. is you have to go to you can't go to WWE anymore it's too mm. homogenised I think yeah. so yeah yeah. Paul Gaston asks here if there was one angle from the FTR which ended very abruptly and you wish you could book it further to its completion what would it have been I think definitely for me GTV was one yeah. Yeah. With, if Goldust had totally. the proper playing out with that I yeah. think that would have been really really something special any other ones you guys could think of as you mentioned earlier, the whole Shamrock Billy Gunn thing. Yeah. Just be- and it wasn't even like because I was like, oh, I'd love to know how that was going to pan out. It was more just because it was such an insufferable headache to switch those stories at the last minute for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. I think it just would have made WrestleMania 15 like one notch better mm. if they hadn't have done that and actually finished the story. Well, I think it's quite interesting as well. Is I mean, I would say on the other side, a feud that I wish had ended quicker and kind of spoiled itself by going on too long, which was Kane and X-Pac. Which yeah. had that yeah. sweet spot, perfect moment, and then the motherfuckers went and did two more matches, That's which true. they didn't need. And Xbox recently said himself, I think it was on Austin's podcast, at WrestleMania 2000, he was meant to face Jericho. You could have imagined that now as a great WrestleMania yeah. show stealer. A um, singles match that that car desperately fucking needed. And instead, he insisted that he had that shitty tag match because he wanted to keep his feud with Kane going because he thought there was more money to be made. Which, lo and behold, they're fucking wasps. <laughs> <laughs> Best fan sign of the era ask Snoots on Twitter. Oh, God, there's so many great ones. Austin 100% CEO. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. I, I, or the artist for How To Wrestling, I told him when he was doing the Shane McMahon artwork to put in an Austin 100% CEO sign in nice. there because like, that is one of my all-time favourites. I have to go back to the classic bin drinking since recently. <laughs> I think that's, that's a great one. And just all the... I can't remember which episode it was, but we had one which was literally three variations of the 316 in one sign. Sable 469 24-7. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was impressive dedication to making a shit sign. Seriously, I think Austin was robbed, crucify McMahon. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see it, because it's like a blood red sign, Austin was robbed, crucify McMahon. And then we've also got, you know... Um, Triple H fears turkey jizz. Yeah. Paget um, the pedophile. Yeah, uh, yeah. The judgment day pedophile. <laughs> the judgment day pedophile, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was about to say that, yeah. Uh, I think Paget is a pedophile actually might be my favourite sign. It's so memorable, movie. isn't it? why somebody brought a sign and how what, somebody brought and a how sign. they thought that that was going to be the best way to the alert the authorities <laughs> that Paget was a pedophile I, <laughs> I, I I don't know but all the power to you sir I just found out about this guy but I've got judgement day tickets <laughs> get the sign making <laughs> yes mode games asking an interesting question here because um, it's definitely uh, a part of the a part of wrestling history where we're going to go back at some point and look at it in more detail. But any members of the roster that you were disappointed or surprised were not in a main event level by WrestleMania 17. Because obviously we had a lot of guys that came and kind of went. Like X-Pac and D-Lo had kind of had their kind of moment. They were 
done and dusted by yeah. again. I'll be honest, by WrestleMania 17, the fact that Chris Jericho didn't have that world title That's on, true. that really started to... That was almost like a bad omen of the hyper-protectionism of yeah. their unwillingness yeah. to take... I mean, if they took the same attitude with Jericho with Steve Austin or The Rock or Foley, then, you know, they, they wouldn't have been in that attitude era. Yeah. And yet, even by 2001, you could see them kind of starting to... Oh, I don't know. You're not maybe your guy. That's not how we make money. Mm. You know, they had started, even though they went, hey, let's tear up the rule book. Wrestling is going to be something different. We need to do different stories, different wrestlers, different stuff. And he kind of felt there by 2001, where they're looking at Jericho and Benoit, and instead of giving them a world belt, they're coming up with excuses, really. And yeah. that was kind of the fact that Angle got the belt, maybe kind of deferred away and you look over and you see all these other talented guys and honestly at the end of the day their excuse was they're not tall enough Yeah, and that's not good enough I don't yeah. think <laughs> Ben was a big one for me I also think Eddie I think from the first time we more or less saw Eddie he was ready yeah he opinion. was so fucking he came nice. in so strong he could he could literally have just turned up and been a contender for the belt and it'd be believable yeah because he could have sold it I think and how long did it take for for Eddie to get there? Yeah, I mean, years. Just like there's certain guys as well, which felt like they were spending so much time kind of building and pushing, and then he never pulled the trigger on. I mean, like I never felt he should have gotten a world title run or a shot at it. But like, why not take a fucking risk on the likes of someone like Test, who you've mm-hmm. been fucking spending ages fucking putting over and yeah. always making look strong and always. But end up giving all this main event stuff with Triple H and the McMahons, and they never did anything with to what it. End, it's like, a waste yeah. of time. Like. I, I, yeah. I think China could have main evented a pay per view. When they they should have went with China and Austin SummerSlam '99 because yeah. that whole thing was a fucking car wreck. And if they just wanted headlines and attention, they should have just went with China and Austin made it a big crazy thing with Jesse and Triple H and all that getting yeah. involved. But the China, I don't think they got the money they could have out of a China yeah. run because they made a lot of money out of her she's recognisable mm. when China passed Jesus the fucking outpouring yeah people you were like whoa you were like I don't know I didn't know you knew who China was yeah, like, yeah. it's kind of people were like oh yeah China I know, I know China I know Hulk Hogan I know I know The Rock yeah incredible you know I'm definitely I think there's someone who you know they were winding down on by that time mm. and she was probably they'd missed their opportunity at that point I know it doesn't really count because he did have a small go at it, but I still think that the timing and everything around the Attitude Era Kane should have had a proper go in the main event, mm. like with the title. I yeah. think that one fucking night where he had the belt and then never saw it again till he was fucking Uncle Fester Kane years and years when later. When he came back Best with Paul Bearer in 2000. Yep. That, that should have been it. That, that should have been, been it. The time. Get, get all heated back up with the X-Pac feud because then he was really over at that point. He could have gone up to the main event again. But you know what's annoying but, about that is the fact that their reason for not giving him the belt then was that, oh, Triple H needs to have a long run. It's been un- He can't have another fucking round interrupting his title reign. And the reason that was is because Triple H's first few title reigns were so fucked up because yeah. he couldn't get it off Austin. He had to fucking throw it around and he had to beat up Vince McMahon for some reason. That's the thing. Pretty much any of your complaints that come around like the Action Era and it's booking and who got what out of everything it's always to do with politics at the end of the day it's not about like stupid writing or poor decisions a lot of it boils down to the politics of why certain people couldn't get to be put where they deserve to be yeah put. It's, I don't think it's ever as simple as hey he's not being pushed yeah. you know there's always knock on effects there's a effects. reason right Someone here is asking if Vince Russo didn't leave at the end of 99 what the year 2000 would have been like it wouldn't have been what WCW became 
I don't think it would have been very good, though. I don't think it would have been good, but it wouldn't have been what WCW was. You could tell the wheels were falling off the wagon with Russo and Ferreira towards the end. They, those two guys couldn't write four hours of TV a week no. on their own. Unforgiven 99. Like, sorry, yeah. that was post-Russo, wasn't it? Actually? No, Unforgiven 99 was just around the time he left. Right. Yeah, yeah. that was really shown. The storylines were just fucking yeah. off the wall. He had poles in his eyes and things on top of those poles. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't think it would have been as bad as what his tenure was in WCW. No. Well, I just shudder to think, could you imagine burnt out Vince Russo, you look at the Unforgiven yeah. 99 kind of bills, that man who was writing that, him in charge of the Radicals, yeah. when they came in, could you well. fucking have imagined? Jesus Christ. Yeah. They would have given Perry Saturn a fucking shitty gimmick, Eddie Guerrero's one would have been even more offensive. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just wouldn't have, they wouldn't have gotten a fair shake at the stick and that strong undercard is what made that 2000 period absolutely yeah. I think it's the best I mean as much as I think Russo did such amazing stuff in 98 and early 99 Kresge did better yeah and I think it was the best thing for the company that he left not to mention he couldn't book tag teams for shit could you imagine or a like, Wrestlemania no you wouldn't imagine have, that you wouldn't have had Wrestlemania 17 no you wouldn't have Dudley's Hardy's and Edge and Christian's entire amazing run either I don't think no I don't think he would so. have fucked that he would have given them like all shitty valets he would have pulled some sort of DOA and LOD like switcheroo where people yeah, turn yeah. And it would have been a complete mess. Yeah, and he would have made some other thing about the fact that Bubba Ray and Devon and one is white and one is black because yeah. that's apparently a thing is very, very hilarious. Were there any dream feuds from the era that never happened that you wish kind of did? Uh, from Chris Gannon there. I would like to have seen Goldust versus Austin. Yeah, I think Gold. Yeah. I think Goldust Austin could have could have could have been really really interesting. No, you're definitely right. That would have been fucking. I mean, you know, Austin never would have done it, but I always thought that like the whole thing that Goldust did in the new generation of him, like you know, he was meant to be there to push the buttons of the homophobic kind of reactions of the audience. I mean, they were basically saying, like, "Hey, well, most middle Americans." you know, don't like gay people and they don't like the idea of a man coming on to them or dressing up weird and that they were exploiting that fear and I think, Jesus, if you did that, Austin and Goldust, I, I wouldn't have had the confidence for anyone to write that though. That's no. the thing. Imagine the faces would have got like from compilations of YouTube of Austin faces during a Goldust feud. Yeah. <laughs> We so would have got some even, amazing Austin faces. But I remember when Goldust kissed Ahmed Johnson and he like freaked out backstage. You know, uh, Goldust him and putting a little kiss on Steve Austin. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he comes out and he sprays him with fire instead of beer or something like that. I don't know. Um, I think Jeff and The Rock um, face rock with Jeff yeah. Jared yeah. Hill. Yeah. I think that would have been something fucking special. Yeah. And you know what? I'll... He came back, he was fine. I'll never know for 100% myself if he literally couldn't wrestle during that time because Daniel Bryan and Brian Kendrick said that he was going in and doing big back body drops and hitting the fucking ceiling in his wrestling academy. Shawn Michaels. Mm. Maybe he could have... I mean, that yeah. time, if he... I mean, it wasn't just the injury. You know, he injured his nose, if you know what I mean, folks. <laughs> um, but he'll shitty fucking WrestleMania 14 Shawn Michaels him taking on The Rock, the Rock. Yes. Yeah. with The yeah. Rock being the young 20 something and Shawn Michaels he's kind of he's approaching 40 you yeah. lost a bit of a spring in your step there I thought they could have really done that because Michaels playing the frustration all that I yeah. thought we, that's, that's one of the all time feuds we never got isn't it? Thank you.
asking, is there anything you said or any opinions you had during the course of the podcast which you regret or take back? Oh, far too many to mention. Yeah. Like, so many. I think people, I think, wrongly assume that if we're saying it into a podcast microphone we upload the episode, that it's like, that's it, crystallised or opinion yeah. forever. You gotta understand, like, we're three lads in our, we started this as three lads in our early 20s, now one of us is in our late 20s. Mm. You know, it changes a person. And there's certainly things that I made jokes about at the start that I probably wouldn't do now. Absolutely. Yes. Likewise, there's stuff which I was maybe very outraged about, but maybe couldn't verbalise it in the way I liked to. I do think there's a few occasions where I simply ducked away from maybe looking at why something was maybe like a bit fucked up. Like, I always regret uh, the Triple H and Stephanie thing, where admittedly when I recorded that episode, I was like, I was very down in the dumps that week. Mm. I was not in a particularly good mood. I wasn't really in podcasting mode. And then it came to the end of the episode, and here comes Triple H, where he's basically saying, I raped your daughter. And I was like, I know that that's wrong, and I know that there's probably an explanation in there where I can kind of go, hey, look... He was trying to like imply this to get in his head and all that. The end of the day was that it was something that was you know dodgy and he shouldn't have said it. Yeah. And I was just like, I liked it, and I was too lazy to explain why. Yeah, I think it's always worth remembering that you can still enjoy something. No harm in pointing out, hey, maybe that's a bit, that's a bit rapish or that's a bit yeah. homophobic or that's a bit transphobic or whatever. I certainly don't like crucify myself over anything I've said in the past going how could you have said that you fucking idiot I mean I accept that when I started this podcast I knew very little about you know sexism you know the course of doing Mm. all these things Mm. but by discussing it with you guys and then with the fans I guess I kind of learned along the way we've changed I think so I I think if we went back and did it again now we'd have completely different opinions on certain things especially in those early episodes where we hadn't quite formulated the same kind of ideas and opinions I mean I think at the start we were just kind of we were primarily concerned I don't think we're primarily concerned with like oh let's make sure it's funny no matter what Mm. but I think definitely early on that kind of was maybe took more of a precedence than the analysis. Actually, critically. With, like, the first six episodes, I think there's a period between episode three and episode six where I think that we've gotten our confidence we like to tell jokes, but we've not maybe gotten our kind of analysis and kind of gone, well, why is that a shitty thing? Or why is that not a shitty thing? I don't... I wouldn't even say, like, oh, I'm an expert, now I can critically say, oh, well, this is sexist because of this. It's just, I think, we're learning along the way. And, I mean, I think it would be very dishonest of us yeah. <laughs> to have started this podcast and just kind of popped on blinders and kind yeah. of, I, I wanted to look at this podcast and kind of say hey what, I watched this as a kid and I knew it was inappropriate mm. let's tease out a bit more I didn't start off this podcast saying right we're going to bury this and say it's sexist mm. we're going to pull them over the coals but I do think I couldn't in good conscience let a lot of that stuff fly when they're profiteering off it still and making yeah. out like it's yeah. just, you know, them in a tank in Austin spraying some beer. There's some ugly shit in the Attitude Era. And I think I don't regret pointing that out, mm. you know. I think in regards to some of the jokes as well, it's a matter of um, finding your own voice and, and, and sort of the context, of, uh, the context of the situation. For instance... Kevin and Adam can probably attest that my sense of humour is incredibly dark at times. Yeah. I don't... I don't... Sometimes I will say stuff just for shock value. Billy yeah. controversy keeble. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there have been... And there have been times where I've made jokes on the podcast 
where listening back to it, I can say, I know I didn't mean what I said there. But, but you context, people listening, yeah. you yeah. don't know you don't know me. You can yeah. take that at complete face value. And I, it's not like I've had people like calling you know, calling me out on Twitter or anything that say, You said this and you know it's but it's it's unfair. it's you shouldn't be saying that. And it's it's something that is only sort of in the recent last few months where I've been re listening, it's like shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Shouldn't have said yeah. that. That's not who I am, but that's going to look like that's who I am. But I think, you know, what was interesting for you and me at the time is that we were, you know, doing a lot of stand-up and writing a lot of stand-up. Yeah. And you and I were very much trying to find our voices at the time. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it was us kind of throwing stuff against the wall and kind of seeing, like, you know, what's the line here? Where's the... Uh, I definitely regret, like, a lot of the stuff when we were making fun of Vader and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we I made really fun, you regret- made fun of... Um, eating disorders at one moment which is it's not on it's not on I think we thought in our minds like well we're kind of overweight so it's okay and mm. now that's not <laughs> no. there, was, there was another there was another counter I had it to it though with when when making fun of a, a, someone's size yeah was if it's to the point where they've got so big that they can't do their own job I think we we should be able to to say that. Yeah. To yeah. say something like that. Sort of, sort of like yeah, if someone's performance has been hampered by the fact that they're maybe not like looking Viscera, at Like Viscera, like things we've said about Viscera, which have been echoed by the commentators at the time. Yeah. He was to a point where he was so big, he couldn't put on a, a, yeah. a match. So that's... A, that's I a, think slagging off Mark Henry, though, was a bit much. Because yeah. he was just a big guy, like. Yeah, you know, he's we were just, just a massive dude. Yeah. And then, then there was a time, it was I think it was during the episode of the bonus episode where we did Mankind winning the title, I said something like that China was a transsexual or something, which is fucking stupid well, of like, me to have said. Like, it's... I, 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 I am thankful, though, in the fact that doing this podcast has opened my eyes. Oh, yeah, in absolutely. Many because, you know... Um, we were living in Lincolnshire, and I'll tell you what, you don't come across any far too many people other than, you know, white people, you know. It's the and, least ethnically diverse city in all of England. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I remember just, I remember once it really always sticks with me, it was like when we, f- we were doing the Sick Kids Save Point, and we were literally just starting, and someone said something about something to do with, like, a trans uh, trans people or something like that. And I did Zeb Coulter, and I said, well, we don't need people sneaking across our genders. And the only reason I said that is because I wanted to do the little finger motion. <laughs> and then someone on the on the timeline said, well, that's pretty offensive what you just said. And then the th- literally the people like, ah, no. Oh, I don't know what it is, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of, I'm thankful. I mean, not too many people have got the... Uh, the benefit of having an audience of people to kind of help steer them along the way. And there are so many people who have helped me kind of come to grips with things because I didn't know any trans people before yeah. I started the Anterior Podcast. Same there. Now I'm happy to say I count a few of them amongst my friends. Yeah. And I'm quite thankful to have that kind of support structure and to have those people there now. That's one of the ben- benefits of the podcast is that we kind of have that now. And I feel in a much better place because of that now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Corbin Fraser, this is a good one, we might end on this, asking, was this the best era in wrestling history? Was it the best time to be a wrestling fan? So obviously Billy, you can answer the second part. Let's go with, is it the best time to be a wrestling fan? Adam, yes. 2000, was it the best time? Undoubtedly. I was a kid. Like, I was, I was a kid, all of my friends liked wrestling. Like, everyone I spoke to was watching wrestling. There was wrestling toys, there was merch everywhere. It was like the biggest thing on the planet. Like, it was just constantly, you were surrounded by wrestling. It was the same as, like, 
Pokemon, to me at that point in time, like any sort of craze like that, it was just all consuming. Mm. It was everywhere. And the fact that even in hindsight now, I can look back and go like, no, I wasn't just being a stupid kid that enjoyed watching his show or whatever. This was a really good part of wrestling. That's the benefit of doing this, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I wasn't just being an idiot kid. This was incredible for wrestling at the time. Um, Yeah, I mean, considering I took a huge long gap from watching wrestling, it's hard for me to judge. I've not, you know, not experienced what it's like to be a fan of wrestling while watching the Batista era, you know, that kind of thing. It's kind of weird for me because I don't know if I can honestly answer that question about whether or not it's the the best period in wrestling because it's like... You know, the period where everyone says this is the Dane period, 2002 to like 2005, whatever. That's like my adolescence, pretty much my awkward teen years, 13 yeah. to 16, you know. You're Whereas, fucked up. it's like, hey, do you like, what do you prefer, being age 9 to 12 or being age 13 to 16? It's kind of like, well, geez, the world was a lot easier and simpler when I was 9. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot more fun in many ways, yeah. you know. So, uh, I don't know if I can honestly answer that question. But in terms of like being, you know, the best time to be a wrestling fan, like, you could still make that argument about today like you know if you were a child today the, and you've the got accessibility the, you've got the network you've oh, got like geez. social hours media and hours of wrestling every day at like, your fingertips all of your favourite superstars you can look at them on Instagram any time of day and see what they're doing now you can find Do out you, what they're like, like. honestly if you're a young fan listening to this you don't honestly know what it's like to hear about a match and be like huh that's a match I'll never see. Yeah. It's like, yeah. there, were, there was times where it's like, oh man, there's this match like 1986 or this match in Japan or this match in ECW. I'm like, well, I'm 10. Yeah. I've not got a credit card. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. And you'll more than likely never be able to find that match at even when you get older and have the access to... Mm. Wait, like, I remember, I mean, like, when I bought the WrestleMania anthology when I was 18 years old, I spent every penny I had just to get a like, 26-disc box set wherever the fuck it was. And I was like... Jesus, and it opened my eyes because I saw all this stuff which I only saw clips of for the first time to see the whole thing. Yeah. I remember being so overwhelmed by that. I can't imagine what it's like being a fan now and just being kind of like, hey, don't take our words for it. You can go watch any of these shows in the network straight any away. Of any of them. Yeah. In HD quality. Yeah. No fucking shitty, oh, sorry, the DVD is scratched. Sorry, this VHS has got an mm-hmm. episode of Men Behaving Badly on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Plus, you have all like, the additional, I would put proper shilling the network here. But with all the additional net, uh, network stuff, the like the, the, you know, table for free yeah. and breaking ground and swerved and the Edge and Christian show, you may not like all that stuff, but like you never would have been able to get anything like that. I mean, in the, the fan content, two thousands, no. the fan content alone. Now, yeah, fact, you've got quality like quality wrestling podcasts coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely true. Was it the best era of wrestling? In my opinion, yeah. Billy? I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it, but like you guys with the um with the attitude era, I do I do have my rose tinted glasses mm. with with two thousand five, two thousand six. <laughs> Even though you can tell me until you're blue in the face <laughs> that <laughs> that it was terrible, which it probably is. Well, that just shows you what well, nostalgia it, plays. Yeah, because that was we sensibly that was your show. You know, yeah. that's when you were into wrestling. The, the the Punjabi prison match was my was my King of the Ring '98. Okay, was that mean Greg Kelly was your Mick Foley? Well, uh, well, no, because well, yeah, yes, in the sense that because he was so injured, he couldn't even be in his own <laughs> signature match. And was replaced with the big show at the last minute. Yeah, he was about yeah. to wrestle the match and all these guys. He fell black... off his own knees. That's no, how he fell off. That was his these, cage. All these guys in black masks and jumpers that said elevated liver enzymes came in and put me in a bag and away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bastards! Was it the best era in wrestling? 
Probably, yeah. They, they, they weren't kidding when they when they released the DVDs and said, you know, it is the greatest, but it wasn't the greatest for the reasons that they said. That's yeah, true. That's very true. I mean, I don't want people to mince my words here, I guess, because I would say it's probably the greatest period, but that don't mean it's not without its faults. Wrestling, I mean, wrestling is so unlike anything else. Game of Thrones don't run 52 weeks a year. And has to be, you know, there's never not been a wrestling show on in a week. Mm. Think about that for a second. There's never not been at least three shows running, you know, on national TV, you know, like from WWE at least. Anyway, it's it's crazy. It's non-stop. There's no period in wrestling where you can look back and not find faults. Any period you look in and you look at it under this magnifying glass, you're going to find faults. Just so happens the faults that we looked at we're very much of the time a lot of the time. I think if you look at 90s USA compared yeah. to USA yeah. now, you know, the Jerry Springer kind of vibes yeah. at that time, the star of reality TV shows, mm. the general kind of trashiness of the media of the time and compare it now. So, I mean, even though I would say, yeah, it's the best, probably the best period in wrestling, that's not to say that it's this fucking sacrosanct thing that has to be held up on a pedestal. It should be down in the fucking dirt with the rest of wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling's always got shit bits and always got good bits. Just so happens that the good bits in the Attitude Era are so memorable and involve so many stars that are so fucking brilliant mm. that it's stuck in our minds, you know? A lot of that is nostalgia. I guess it always will be. But from your perspective, Billy, and I imagine a lot of people who would watch it would probably come to the same opinion mm. or the same agreement. When you watch it, when you, whatever you watch when you're a kid, you're instantly going to have but I mean, that connection to it. Naturally. When I say, and I don't know if it goes to you guys as well, when I say it's probably the best period in wrestling, but that's only from my perspective of what I consider to be important in wrestling. And the amateur so happens to get little bits of everything I like right. There's some really great, you know, hard-hitting wrestling action. There's some real hardcore brawls. There's some like characters who are really off the wall. There's some really strong character development that kind of plays out over a while. There's unexpected twists and turns. I've not even mentioned, you know, a lot of in-ring stuff yet. So a lot of that is more important to me than in the middle of the ring. Mm. You want to say probably in the middle of the ring, best fucking bell to bell. Whoa, holy shit. You're probably talking like NWA in the 80s. Flair wrestling his hour time yeah. and draws yeah. and all that. But for me, there's bad parts of that and that there's a lot of boring shit there that I don't care about. But different strokes for different folks. That's not the Attitude Era podcast saying it's the best era in wrestling and the Attitude Era is going to be coming back in a jam now. <laughs> I think what we can say at the end of it that the Attitude Era was an era. Yeah, certainly was, and also never coming back long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the first emails we ever got, uh, you know, uh, along, uh, along with uh, some uh, slurs in there, a couple. Of, <laughs> yeah, a couple in there. It's never coming back. Uh, no, never, Definitely ever, not. ever, ever. Definitely not. If you were someone sitting there in your black t-shirt, <laughs> kicking a wall, going, "Yeah, it's going to come back." It's not going to come back. Yeah, no more so than like. You know, political correctness is not going to ungo mad if that's yeah. what you view it as. Society has changed. WWE is too big a company to ever do something like that. You are fortunate enough that you're living in a world now where WWE will do something like have Brock Lesnar say the word shit on TV and they won't lose their minds. Yeah. You know, it's it's not coming back. I think that's for the best. Definitely. Are there elements of the editor that we'd like to see incorporated more? Absolutely. The writing. I think. But it's not the, the writing stuff. No, I don't want to see fucking Paige have a miscarriage on TV. No. I don't want to see Alberto Del Rio get pushed off a Titantron because he's been suspended for 30 days. You know? <laughs> I want to see everyone have a storyline. That's all I read. That's, yeah. that's it. Really? You know? 
some character, not just would be wrestler number one, wrestler number three, yeah. which we have so much. Oh yeah, I want some characters. I want some heels with heat. I want some storylines with genuinely unexpected twists and turns. And I also, as well, I want the show to have a pace that I just don't think you can ever have. Yeah. You watch an Attitude Era Raw. Jeez, then we watched the first episode of SmackDown. Fucking hell! Blink and you'll miss it! Bam, 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 bam! It was a TV show, though. It was, like, actually laid out like a TV show. It was structured, it was written, they considered the way it was going to flow out and everything. You don't have that now because it's a completely different format. You've mm. got three hours. They're encouraging you to look at other screens and to they not don't pay attention. Yeah, to they're, the show, they're not right? kind of like, oh shit, what's going to happen after the break? They're like, okay, go on to your break now. Chill out, check out your tweets. Pop on Twitter. Like, don't yeah. really focus on yeah. this right now. Like, the it's, app. That's, it's a completely different attitude, yeah. and it's that, just not going to mirror that again. That's why, like, when we mentioned it before earlier in the podcast, that's why the final deletion was genuinely a breath of fresh air yeah. for me. Mm. I yeah. like I unironically love mm. the final deletion yeah. and everything that Matt Hardy is doing now. It's got me watching TNA from time to time which I wasn't doing before. Yeah. That's what what modern wrestling is missing. It's the taking a chance. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess what you are getting now, which is nice, is that you have you have your genuine alternatives now, don't you? Yeah. You know, there is a, there's other places to go. Yeah. There's other heads, there's other troughs to dip your head into. If wrestling's your thing, you've got you're spoiled for choice. Mm. You'll never be able to watch all the wrestling there is at the moment. But yeah, Attitude Era never coming back, lol. Attitude Era podcast never coming back, lol. No, we yeah. we got plans. Yeah. You know, as previously mentioned. Over and 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 over again, we are doing stuff. We're not going straight into the next show. It's not Backlash 2001. We've got some plans. And we are going to be visiting some scenes and storylines that may be unsuitable for younger viewers. Now, what we're going to be doing is looking at certain blocks of shows. And the themes that we're going to be looking at is that maybe the quest of companies such as WWE and other companies to emulate the success of the Attitude Era, either by bringing back stars, trying to do certain storylines. We're going to look at some of the stuff surrounding the Attitude Era, maybe some stuff from before, some stuff from afterwards. But an excellent starting point for us, and this is going to be very different for us, and I'm going to be very excited to go through this, is we are starting 10 years after WrestleMania 17 with WrestleMania 27 after a long bleak period of desolate wilderness and when are my favourite wrestlers going to come back and lo and behold who's coming on a white horse to save the wrestling world it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson and he's never going away ever again we are going to be reviewing The Rock's return from WrestleMania 27 all the way up until his second encounter with John Cena and some of the key shows in between. It's gonna be a slog. Some it's, of it. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, I thought about doing it for a number of reasons. Number one, I think obviously there's a lot about that where they are trying to revisit the Action Era, as we said, with, you know, Austin comes back for the show. You've got The Rock. They really turn up the heat with The Rock's promos and stuff like that, trying to bring in fans from a, who were gone from a while. Fans including you two gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Two guys who started watching wrestling again around the time of WrestleMania 27 because of the big hoopla that was yeah. surrounding it. So there's a lot of interesting things there to see how the company has changed in the 10 years since we last looked at it at their desperate attempt to have another huge stellar WrestleMania. We're going to be looking at The Rock's return. 
Looking at John Cena's rise, a little bit of CM Punk, a little bit of weird shit in between there. Cough, cough, Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, cough, cough. <laughs> I'm dead excited. And if you are listening to that and kind of go, that's a bit weird, it is going to be different. But honestly, I've been sitting looking at my notepad. Every single day I look at this, I think of something else new about it that makes it, makes it something that we must record and must do. I'm so excited. We will be doing Invasion and other things going on down the line. There'll be more details on that in the future. But for the imminent future, our fate lies in the hands of WrestleMania 27 oh. onwards. May God have mercy on our fucking souls. So how's it been then, doing the Attitude Era? It's been fucking lovely. I've had a whale of a time doing this. You, have you enjoyed so, doing this podcast? M- more so than watching the Attitude Era again and like getting to enjoy all the old wrestling. I've, I've much more enjoyed actually doing this podcast. Yeah. Hanging out with you guys, talking about this in front of a microphone meeting really cool awesome people through the podcast like you know chatting to some folks that i never would have heard of or never interacted with on twitter before now people like saying to us that they enjoy just us three guys having a chat like, just three boys just three friends talking about wrestling in, in, enjoy us to the point that they are willing to send us stuff in the mail yeah <laughs> we, we we have got a xfl jersey off of uh, Stu Warner. Oh man. Thank you so much, man. Seriously. I mean, we're sitting in like, I've, my new house now where I am, I've moved to Manchester. I'm sitting in a room here and I've, I've, we have a podcast room now. I'm looking at all like, some, I've, all the amazing shit that people have sent over the years. Mayhem in Manchester <laughs> fucking <laughs> program over here, WrestleMania Rage Party. And even just all the nice messages and tweets and comments. Like there's been, I've had some ups and fucking downs since I started this podcast, folks. And when I, well, the, the fully loaded 98 episode, before I we went in to record that, I basically discovered that the career I had planned out for the next five years had fallen through. You know, this has not been, you know, my my, my world has been a bit all over the place at times. I think this, all of us have. But yeah. all of us yeah. We've all been through a lot of different stuff outside of the podcast. We, we've all like, had to bite the bitter bullet of leaving university and the life that comes after that which is one of the hardest times yeah. that you go through and they don't really prepare you in life for that I guess but I've always been thankful for this podcast yeah definitely it's always been fun and so many people ask oh recommend me what would you say you should do if you're going to do a podcast or whatever should I do it's just find people you yeah. enjoy talking with yeah. because you can see straight away or hear straight away if people don't want to be there, don't want to talk about it, don't give a shit. The reason why we've always gotten on, the reason why this is worth is because we're three very good friends who've become closer friends by doing this podcast. Yeah. And that's been an absolute treasure and I'll always, I'll always treasure that. And that's the thing. Like, to me, this was more of a bonding thing. This, like, started out as, like, a thing that us three friends did. It wasn't like, hey, let's try and get popular. Let's try and like. Oh no! We, we were going to be done in three episodes and fucking throw it in the bin. Yeah. We were pretty much pissed off because the radio station where we wanted to do a radio show wouldn't let us do a radio show the way we wanted to do yeah. it. This <laughs> was just like a bit of fun. Like it started out as just like a nice thing that us three could do together, and it just turned into this fucking sixty-episode podcast. Like sixty-one now. Sixty-one. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just thinking about it now. The, the last of this name, we we will uh, from here on we won't be the Attitude Era podcast. No, it will be the AE podcast, and the AE podcast will be presenting 
The Rock's return as our next kind of almost. I don't want to view it like a season, but it's definitely going to be like or we're going to have like gluts of well, it's episodes. Good, it's a chunk. Yeah, yeah chunk. it's going to be like five or six episodes, isn't it? Yeah, around oh, nine. Yeah. I can't about. wait to see the Miz main event at pay per view. <laughs> about fucking time. About time, mate. I go and see fucking Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler main event at pay per view. Oh. I, I I swear to God, it's oh. going to be it's going to be fun. I'm going to have okay. to relive fucking Daniel Bryan eighteen seconds. Mm. I'm yeah. going to have to relive that. Shit. You have to relive Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's much more to come, folks. If there's any chunks or pay-per-views or bonus episodes which we'll still be doing in between that you are interested in or want us to do or have suggestions for any of that, do, of course, as always, tweet us in at AE Podcast. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this end of an era. That's going to do it for this era of the Attitude. It's going to do for this episode of the Attitude Era podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this kind of sit back and look through all of the amazingness that has come before, all the highs and lows and creamy middles. And as always, make sure you are following on iTunes and SoundCloud where you can go back and check out our entire back catalogue. It's basically the Lord of the Rings and what comes from now on is the Similarian. <laughs> <laughs> I like that as a as a good analogy. It's a good analogy. It sets yeah. the, the bar so low <laughs> that if like you can listen to it, we can't like, do anything wrong from this point. Pretty on. much, like we're okay. <laughs> but uh, go back check out all the other episodes. I think what's awesome is the fact that we have more listens in this year than previous years. Is that we've got people who are just coming in and joining and revisiting and re-listening. It's been eye-opening for me listening back to the the episodes. Uh, a podcast quotes on Twitter. Thank you so much for, for, for starting that account. That's really like yeah, helped that's us so in cool. this kind of yeah. this journey along the way. Um, we're excited for what comes next. Uh, if you're on iTunes, of course, make sure you leave a rating or review. Follow us at AE Podcast on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on the end of an era. Let you know what your final thoughts on the end of an era were. Do you agree with what we thought? Do you think that there were parts that were overrated, underrated? Do you agree with our MVPs? Do you agree with our estimation that it was probably one of the best eras, or if not the best era in wrestling of all time? Let us know as well, facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast where you can check out artwork for all our new episode artwork which is went up from Michael Scally did you see yeah, he's such done a artwork for all the episodes everything now yeah incredible so from Wrestlemania 14 all the way up you've got awesome artwork Fizz vs the World on Twitter thank you so much man it's fucking amazing work if you're starting a podcast or you need someone to do some graphic design for you I can think of no one better thank you so much for all your help you've really helped the Attitude podcast have kind of an image and a brand we fucking mm. love you for that man thank you so much and, and all the work that um, Chris Pilkington did earlier on, early, yeah. early on with all the remixes yeah we had so many people we mentioned Elizabeth as well who did some artwork for us there's so many people who've helped out over the years and if you're someone who helped out in a big way or if you're someone who even just you know sent a nice message or told someone to check it out thank you so much guys seriously it's, it really means the absolute world to us if you would like to see some more visual content from the Apple I love podcast, visual content it's the best you get to it's use your eyes and content. your ears don't go to our YouTube page it's a waste of time now they it's take, a graveyard they've taken so many videos down it's just it's an uphill battle the, the only person there. who should go to our YouTube page is Vince McMahon so we can walk around the charred asphalt and go huh what's the matter huh <laughs> what's the macaque got your tongue huh 
<laughs> but the good news is, if you go to vimeo.com forward slash AE podcast, you'll find a lot of our old videos there as well as some new ones. What? But the plan has been is that we're going to slowly put all the old videos on there one by one and sort of stretch out the release schedule a little and bit. And you are, these are like HD remakes, 2K16 stuff. Don't, don't say that, they're not. <laughs> but, no, but you put bits of <laughs> They are the same files as but you, before. You put VHS bits on them, I know. That's literally it. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> if anything, it's worse because <laughs> of the compression. <laughs> Please leave all that. <laughs> Please leave that in. But some of the new videos you'll find on there. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, the gang's back together. Adam's there making his videos. Oh, they're such poor quality. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> on Vimeo, you can find new videos such as the Grunt of the Night compilation, which has just about every single grunt from the podcast on there and a cheeky look at the Grunt Hall of Fame. You'll also find our latest video, which was the build to Unforgiven 99's main event, where Kevin loses his mind over the magic roundabout. That was fun. Yeah. That was fun and a fucking nightmare to edit as a video. <laughs> that, all those. that was actually worse than the Grunt compilation. Thanks a lot, Vince, you sir. But yeah, keep your eyes peeled on the Vimeo account. Make sure you bookmark it. I'd say subscribe, but who the fuck subscribes to channels on Vimeo? But seriously, keep a close eye on bookmark it. Bookmark it. Bookmark it, we're going to be putting up a load of old classic videos on there and hopefully some new ones sometime soon. Hopefully uploading some Vines as well. Check out a podcast on Vine, link to the Twitter account we mentioned earlier. And if you are a fine purveyor of stuff and things like myself, why don't you head on over to botchamania.com. Now just imagine I sang that to the tune of Sweet Child of Mine. That's very good, I like that. So cutting down the faff now. Yeah, straight to the point. The yeah. new, the I'll, I'll say the thing and then just tell them to imagine what I'm singing now. Because after the embarrassment that was WrestleMania 17, yeah. might have to knock it on the head, yeah. or actually start making musical ones. Well, it's it's a fresh start, Billy. You know, yeah, this I can do much, a new era. This yeah. is very much our say by the bell, the college years. Yeah, you know, we're standing at the edge of tomorrow, and there's no telling how far we'll go. It's, it's your chance to break away today, today, today. Quick thought for when we start the new series of the podcast, we must make sure in the first episode we use the phrase new era as much as possible. <laughs> Talk about how this is going to be a great new era for the AE The podcast. new Attitude Era podcast, we should call it. <laughs> or the Attitude Era podcast 2000. <laughs> We've made a few changes. <laughs> And as well, if you want to support the podcast monetarily, you can give back by going to selfie.com forward slash a podcast, checking out our audio commentaries for wrestling movies. Looks like there's a new one on there, Kevin. What's, what's that? What's that all about? There is a new one, fresh off the presses, ready to rumble. Oh. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready to rumble. It would be a lot more fun if you just watched Ant and Deck. Yeah. You know. Sing in big coats. Listen to us watch the film. Listen to us watch the film. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to listen to us watch the film, you can. It's uh, $5 or £3 on selfie.com. You download the audio commentary for your movie of choice, including the likes of Beyond the Match with the three of us, me and Adam taking on the likes of Wrestling with Shadows, CM Punk Best in the World, even WWE animated features such as Scooby Doo and the WrestleMania Mystery and the Flintstones movie. I cannot wait. Until we do the uh, the sequel to Surf oh, you better believe it. Ugh. It's going to be awesome. But they're all available there if you want to give back to the podcast and say cheers and thanks and get yourself a nice evenings of entertainment as well. Selfie.com slash a podcasts. And don't forget, if you're the kind of person who likes to wear clothes on your uh, middle section, you can go to. <laughs> <laughs> do you like clothes? Order now! But wait, 
They're on your middle section. <laughs> Kick to the middle section there. Right? He's working over the middle section. Uh, you can go over to Pro Wrestling Tees. Check out the editor of Podcast Store there. You've got amazing t-shirts available with our logo, Glad Gay, and this t-shirt exposes the business. All available now for $20 plus shipping. And thanks to everyone who supported the editor of Podcast even during our quiet chrysalis. We've been basically like, we've, I, I want to say we've been a King Ghidorah or Mothra and that we've been laying dormant and now we're going to destroy Tokyo. So you better fucking watch yourself. Yeah? You're a beautiful city, but we will destroy you. We will. Uh, we're very excited for the next episode. WrestleMania 27, AE Podcast presents The Rock's Return. Finally, the Adagero Podcast has come back to podcasting, which means... Finally, the Attitude Era podcast has come home. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. We'll catch you next time. Ten years into the future. (laughs) 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 WrestleMania 27.